This is Free Talk Live, day number three at Anarchopolco 2017. It has been a fantastic event so far. My first time in Mexico, my first time at Anarchopolco uh, as well. Mark, your second. Our first time doing Free Talk Live from a foreign country. Yeah. I guess you're right about yep. that. Yep. Um, I guess it's not a foreign country when you're in it, though. Is right. It? You'd call, I think you <laughs> called in when you were here the first year. You came to the first yep. one. I think you called in with some updates. Uh, but yeah, now we're, we get to actually experience the full... It's not Free Talk Live until you have the soundboard. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Sitting in place. Yep. Uh, and uh, <laughs> luckily it made it through the ridiculous uh, Mexico City uh, airport shenanigans, which was just something else, man. Uh, let me give you a brief rundown of uh, of Mexico City, which I'd never been to this airport before. By the way, Terry Brock joining us uh, in in the studio here. Hey, He's Terry. the MC of uh, Anacuco. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Yes. Uh, so uh, you you've been to these before, I take it. Oh yes, this is my third Anacuco, and I'm second year now doing MC work. Did you have to go through Mexico City? Yeah, went through Mexico City. This time it was smooth. It really? was really easy, no problem at all. And actually, I've had less hassle in Mexico City than I've ever had in the United States. I would agree with that, too. As far as the security went, it wasn't as, uh, as hassly, but, uh, it, but boy, talk good about word, confusing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> t- talk about confusing. We, we, get, word. we get off the plane. <laughs> we go through this like long walk through tunnels. The long the, walk then through we come, the tunnel. Then we come out uh, into a line of uh, some kind of checkpoint for uh, you know, the immigration. They stamped some papers and you know, moved us along. And then we came over to where baggage was coming off. I'm like, well, you know, normally you don't take your bags again in the middle of a, a flight change. But in Mexico City, you do. Yes, and many other countries, too. Yeah, so we got our, you know, happened to stop and look. And, oh, yeah, those are our bags. Okay, let's take those. And then they're like, okay, now you need to put it. We walk a little more, and then now we have to put it on another conveyor belt, which hopefully would be going to the place where we wanted it to. And then we ended up getting on a uh, well, first of all, we had a guy who was like, uh, Tip for me, and I was like, Tea for you, I don't know what, what you're saying. And then later he said, Tip, and I kind of got it like, Oh, he wants a tip to you know show us where to go. So like, yeah, I gave him a, a, a couple bucks i gave him a dollar first and he kind of stood there and he you know that wasn't enough so i gave him a gave him another one and he got us to the uh, the terminal train which then took us all the way over to terminal two where we got off and then waited for a while at this uh this gate which was confusing the times were changing on the flight arrival one of the guys from the conference saw the time change to uh like a half hour later he went to go and get some dinner well the time then changed back to being on time and so he missed his flight luckily Luckily, we stayed there rather than going and exploring the airport. Finally get on. We get on a bus. The bus then takes us out uh, to the uh, the airplane And f- when we finally got on and got out of there. Man, it was just... Uh, Welcome to international travel. Yeah. That was a first for me. I, everything was great on Aeromexico, so... So, Terry, uh, I'm told that you are a uh, motivational speaker. Well, actually, not motivational, but more marketing, marketing, technology. I'm motivated already, really. But, you know, you got to be a little bit motivational, I think, in whatever you do. If you want to persuade people peacefully, Mm -hmm. then you need to be able to be persuasive. How'd you get hooked up with this event? Uh, well, I heard about it. I actually started on YouTube, mm-hmm. watching uh, what Jeff Berwick was doing and realizing, wow, this guy's talking about living life with peace and not initiating force or coercion and a thing called anarchy, which I thought, oh, wait a minute, that means Molotov cocktails. That I seems bad. That. <laughs> then you realize, no, 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 that's somebody that they have hijacked that word. We're really talking about peaceful living, voluntarily interchanging with others mm-hmm. and letting people do whatever they want, as long as they take responsibility for their life and they don't harm another. Right. And how long ago was that? 
I think that was about four or five years ago. So was Jeff Berwick that was kind of your entry into the, the liberty movement in general, or were you kind of already libertarian before? Oh, yeah. That? I've been a libertarian and a believer in liberty and freedom for many, many years. Okay. You know, I back in probably, I think it started for me back in when I was in MBA program studying economics, and I saw this program on TV called Free to Choose by these Ooh. people called Rose and uh, Milton Friedman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what really turned it around for me because I could see, hey, this really makes sense to believe in freedom and liberty and understand that we can do what we want. We don't need some person coming around telling us what to do and realize that just because someone has a badge, that doesn't give them extra rights. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all equal under the law and we do better that way. We I have actually a badge live that our says that. that. I yeah. actually have a badge yeah, I know that, that says cop lock. They're great. <laughs> I love those folks. Badges don't gra- uh, grant extra rights. Absolutely. So, yeah, and Pete Ayers here from Cop Block, as a matter of fact. Which yeah, is really, I haven't seen him really yet, cool. but I probably will as MC here. You are pretty much working as hard as anybody could, um, yeah, you know, moving to... from place to place and all that stuff. It's uh, your, your dynamo out there. It's amazing. Well, well, well the benef- thank you. The benefit of being the MC is you actually do get to kind of be around for the presentations, whereas we kind of have to hang out over here in the corner and, and uh, interview. So we get a little taste of, of the event. We yeah. try to give that to our listeners. And uh, So is this your first year MCing? Oh, no, I've been MC uh, last year here, mm-hmm. and uh, last year I was also the MC at Freedom Fest out in Las Vegas. Oh, right on. Let's oh, yeah, I guess I didn't tell you that. Uh, yes, uh, Terry Brock not only has uh, done a lot of MCing, he's, the, in my opinion, he's the, the, the very best yeah. MC that you can get for a liberty-oriented event, because he's just going to take care of it. There's a lot of work, and he does yeah. it seamlessly. Right, you've done some of it. Yeah, it's not events. easy. Right. It's not easy to be a nice guy and be the MC well, at the Craig, same you, time. You were saying you've got you to <laughs> wrangle the, the, uh, the speakers. You've got to make yep. sure they stay on time, right? Well, I mean, Exactly. Or imagine this. You're going to be MC, meaning that you've yeah. got to tell them to keep on time and all that, with a group of anarchists, anarchists. <laughs> who don't want to obey anyone. So what I did is I said, wait a minute, it's very simple. How many of you believe, and we, you might be, have been there and seen it, raise your hand if you believe in a thing called the non-aggression principle. Mm-hmm. People say, oh yeah, I like that. And that means you don't aggress and take from others. What is the most precious resource we have? Time. Time. And if you are taking time from the next speaker, you are aggressing. So we just say, we all agree, that's not going to happen, right? And everyone says yes. And so we say, okay, when you have two minutes to go, Terry's on stage, so you bring it in for a landing. That makes sense. And so has everybody been pretty good about it? Everyone, so to a person. Good. Last year was, and this year has been so far. Well, I blew over time in my presentation yesterday, but you weren't in my room. so That's uh, true. And there was nobody coming after me, so it was all right. Yeah, it that's okay. It wasn't yeah. a problem. That's probably the reason they put you in there. <laughs> they knew you are going to be trouble. Well, you know, a lot of people had questions about moving to New Hampshire. Now, where do you hail from? I mean, where do you you know make your, your home base? A place that has, like New Hampshire, a very reasonable state income tax, Florida. Oh. <sighs> So I'm there well. where you two used to be, there yeah. in Sarasota. But you, I'm wait, in Orlando. In Sar- oh, Orlando. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm a speaker. So as a professional speaker, a lot of conventions in Orlando. I Makes realized sense. I could live anywhere. So people say, Terry, why did you move to Orlando? I was in Atlanta where I went to Georgia State and mm-hmm. lived there for a while. Well, I loved the W's. There was the water lakes all over the place there, and not one but two oceans. I liked the uh, weather, a little bit warmer. I really like the warm weather. And three, the wealth. No Hmm. state income tax helps a lot on that. Yep, that's true. Though They have the sales tax. They do have sales tax. Any form of taxation is too much for me. I think the most (laughs) reasonable tax, just to be reasonable, not radical, but reasonable, is zero. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean, you've seen, obviously, half the festival or convention so far. Uh, what's, What's stood out to you? Oh, wow. I guess it's a combination of the people. We just got finished with one with Lynn Ulbrecht, the mother of She's Ross. She's always a, a wonderful mother. I got a chance to know her and Ross 
very well, really? working on our free Rossathon. And we had oh, so Daryl Perry. The on that? Yeah, yeah. Daryl Perry. It was my idea to come up with it. Great. We engineered it, pushed it through, made it happen. We had over 14,000 people join us on that Amazing. on an eight-hour Google Hangout, and we raised over $50,000, 100% of which went to the defense of Ross Ulbricht. That's awesome. We're such huge fans of Ross and, and you know, everything that he's done for uh, the free market here on Free Talk Live. And he's wonderful. I tell you, I got a chance to meet him also. When? I went to prison. First time in my life, I actually went to prison. <laughs> Mark, well, you that's, forgive that me sound bite, I got you right yeah, now. That's right. Yeah. Terry Brock saying, I went to prison. I yeah. went to prison. That's right. It just so happened we did the program, the Free Rossathon, yeah. the eight hours in Pennsylvania, right. just near there with Jim Babb. I knew someone who could uh, take care of that. And then I was attending a conference on Tuesday in New York City. Mm-hmm. Well, Wednesday is Visitation Day at the Metropolitan Correction Center. So I said, well, Lynn, can we work something out? And it worked out. I went there and I had to get the right clothing. You had to jump through all the government hoops and everything. But to be able to look Ross in the eyes for two hours and talk with him. And when I told him what Nathan Freeman said, it almost made him cry and me too. When I said I was on my way there, taking Uber down to the Metropolitan Correctional Center, I said, Nathan, I'm going to meet with Ross in just a few moments. What would you want to say to him? And he sent me a text back and he said, Tell him, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Often that is said to Silver's people who are serving in a military capacity. Right. But Ross, you are serving all of us by doing what you're doing. And I could see Ross tearing up a little bit oh. there. And it just touched me that here was this brilliant, wonderful man. This just a marvelous guy you would want to get to know. Of course. Imprisoned by a state under unjust charges. Terry, thanks for uh, sitting in with us here for a little bit. I know your schedule is super busy. So Try to get back and see some people, but before I go, i got to say I love both of you, what you're doing. We listen to you. Love Free Talk Live. Keep up the good work. TerryBrock.com. Go check him out there, and thank you, Terry. We're coming up here from Anarchapulco in moments. This is Free Talk Live, and we're at Anarchapulco 2017, third annual edition of this event, the Mundo Imperial uh, Resort, absolutely beautiful venue, humongous uh, convention area, and uh, there's uh, plenty of anarchists and libertarians and voluntarists here at this conference. It is, uh, it's been wonderful. The vibe here is fantastic. It reminds me of uh, like old Liberty Forum vibes from way back in uh, in the day in New Hampshire. Uh, of course, it's Ian and Mark here in our little remote studio, and joining us, a couple of other uh, radio pros from The Crypto Show, which if you are a listener to LRN.FM, you have no doubt heard at some point in our podcast. Podcast Loop, Chris Ninadal and Danny Sessom. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? hey yo. <laughs> it's great to have you guys here. Uh, and, of course... Great to be here. Thank you. You host a weekly show. Uh, it's called The Crypto Show. Twice weekly. Twice weekly. Twice weekly. I'm so sorry. It's very unusual to find people that produce shows that are that Content frequent. so regularly. Yes. <laughs> you were just telling us off the air that you've been doing it for three years. Yes. Since, um, actually, we started just before the first Texas Bitcoin conference. Which we went to uh, right. once upon a time, and I heard there's going to be another one this yes. year. Yes. I hope so, yeah. i got to talk to them then. Yeah, the I think the theme might be rodeo or, or at a, a dude ranch. Bitcoin rodeo. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> the last one was at uh, Austin City Limits, right? The, yes. the venue. Yeah. That, uh, yes. yeah, that's right. Moody Theater. Yeah. Now, was that two years ago now? Like, yeah, it's, it's coming on. It's, yeah, it's, so they skipped a year? They were busy. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> busy and then like, they own Factum. So basically, they were pretty busy with Factum and some of the implementation. Because they had a lot going on in the past year, two years with Factum, exactly. 
Now, you guys have uh, an even nicer setup here than we do. It puts uh, puts us to shame. You have more microphones. You've got, like, mic arms and everything. Danny fabricated. Danny's in construction. He fabri- When I met him, he had a broken leg from falling off a roof. Um, he, he, had, he fabricated this studio setup that uh, really makes me quite envious. He fabricated a new leg for himself, too, actually. <laughs> Is that a fake one? <laughs> yes. So you guys did something interesting this morning uh, at the conference in tandem with Unsung, which yes. uh, we've had Jason King on this show before, and that is one of his other charities that yes. he handles. What is Unsung, and what happened this morning? Well, with Unsung, I guess the idea would be to get food from restaurants and stuff that that's not going to be eaten. And There's a lot of that. It, and they would give it to uh, homeless people that need it. As opposed to throwing area. it away. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't really have time to do all that, so we're sponsored by Dash, and uh, a third of what we're sponsored from Dash for our, our radio advertising actually goes to Unsung. So each month we find different events that we can host and use that money to, to feed the homeless. It's nice. And last month we were able to do it at the Miami Bitcoin Conference, just right there in the middle of the conference, mm-hmm. and so I had the idea, hey, let's do it again in Acapulco. And so I reached out uh last week to some guys here in Acapulco and they hooked me up with a motorcycle gang. He's really thuggish. Who the hell did you reach out to? Oh, <laughs> Michael Nimitz. Uh, he, he, he put me in touch with uh, no, I've La Baja the, or something. All the reach out, reaching out I've done in my life, I've never ended up connected with a Mexican motorcycle gang. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing, man. They so, they, they show up. Uh, I saw them. They, um, they helped, yeah. We all they walked. look like tough guys, but they seem very nice. Right, Hell's we, Angels is helping us uh, yeah. get back. To Austin, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. We walked across the street to the grocery store, bought all the stuff we needed. We mm-hmm. made the meals right here in the middle of the conference, so that everybody would uh, ask, "Hey, what are What's you doing?" That? And then we could explain, "Hey, why don't you just set up your own Facebook page of Unsung in your in your neighborhood, and get it going yourself." You don't have to go to unsung.com or any of that. Just be your own, uh, just uh, through a Facebook group. It's a great idea. Um, so after we made the meals, uh, we took it to an orphanage, and there were 65 kids there. And, and, and you were escorted by the bikers, Oh, right? no. Not only no? were we escorted, yeah. the dude let me drive his Harley oh. to, to the orphanage. It was awesome. Okay, so all the reaching out I've ever done in my life, I've never been connected with a Mexican motorcycle gang that would allow me to ride their Harley Davidson to deliver food to an orphanage. I mean, yeah. it's a heck of a story. It, this was, yeah, it was so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we showed up there, and, then, and the kids, you know, we brought the food in. They all sat down, and they, they gave us these handmade uh, cards oh, that's that they nice. colored with pencils and stuff, thanking us for doing this. How many it kids? 65. Wow, okay. So yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. Rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine what um, you know. What? How do they get their funding? This place, uh, the people, people are uh, the orphanage. The orphanage is just people that are donating. Uh, a lot of the things that are donated, you could tell they were selling down below to to come up with currency for mm-hmm. things like clothing and, and stuff like that. So they do like a goodwill thing. The unit yeah, donation, right out of their garage. That's yep. kind of underneath the uh, orphanage there. And I see. I mean, I wish I was an orphan at that place. Jesus, it's nice? right. It's right on the beach. Oh, coconut trees <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, damn. Oh, wow. I wish I could live here. <laughs> I don't know. Living on the beach is a little overrated. You probably yeah. get tired of it. <laughs> All the sand right. everywhere. So says you. We're yeah. hundreds of miles from the beach where we live. Indeed. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, we grew up in the on the, the coast of Florida. Yeah. So we're kind oh, of you're spoiled. That. That's why. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much what it is. Well, it comes you know, when you li- when you live there, you don't go to the beach. You know, you've been there, right? Right. Makes sense. Grass is always greener. Kind Did of you get yeah. a chance to talk to any of the kids? Yeah. yeah. What they have to say? Uh, we didn't understand Hola. exactly. Not nothing. Yeah. Hello. Buenos dias. Thank you. Oh, actually, they started singing songs for us. Oh, that's uh, oh, that's Thanking beautiful. us, saying thank you, uncle. 
something. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. This is yeah. Teal. Yeah. Teal. Yeah. yeah. It's a inter- term of endearment, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. So. I you mentioned unsung.com, but your shirt says unsung.org. Is yes. that what you meant to say? Yes, unsung.org. Unsung.org. So, uh, excellent news. I'm glad to hear that that went well. Uh, did you get any video of it, by the way? Uh, yeah, there is some. Okay, and cool. Quite is it on your Facebook page? Or you can put um, it on your Facebook not page? yet. I mean, I okay. just got back from this. All right. I, I just got back, went and had lunch, and now I'm here. Where can people find you? At thecryptoshow.com. Excellent. And that is, uh, like you said, twice a week. It's, it airs live, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on 89.1 FM in Austin. In Austin, Texas. Yeah, or you can go to thecryptoshow.com slash listen live. You're streaming That's live like there. The, the longest running pirate it's radio be. station. It, it is uh, probably, what, 11, 12 years it's Something going Something like that. If it's not the longest, it's yeah. certainly one of the longest. Why yeah. haven't they Incredible. shut them down? Because we... they're, they're, they're a legal team that's running it, and all they do is fight the government to stay on air. They're like, you know, screw you and your your fees, whatever. We don't need a license. Right. Uh, they, they stay uh, under 1,500 watts. It's right at 1,500 watts. So it's it's legal to do so. The Why only fif- thing, what does 1,500 watts have to do with uh, something? Apparently that has something to do with the FCC. Okay. I don't know anything about that. Um, I, you know, as far as I can tell, it's that if you aren't going to pay them, they can't do much about it. Right. Um, like, have they? Do you know if they've ever taken them to court? Because yes, they do. Uh, so far, over this amount of years, I think they've paid about twelve thousand dollars in fines. They so, actually paid. Yeah. So compared to the price of a license, hey, that's, that's a deal. That's, that's a very a good great point. deal. Yeah. Compared to the price that you'd pay to rent antennas right. a space mm-hmm. on a tower, and that's where they get attacked. It has nothing to do with what they're broadcasting. Uh, oh yeah, but we're not allowed to say that we're broadcasting for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, reason, they yeah. okay. they go. They use like ordinances and stuff to go after where the tower is positioned, and they'll try to. The sue city does. You the mean. city does. Yeah. So yeah, they come at all these different angles to. to wow. try to Luckily, get towers there. are mobile. At least right. uh, this sure. one is. That is so awesome. It's yeah. so inspirational, and I, I I hope that we can find people who are willing to. Mm-hmm. You know, follow that right. uh, that model because, in my opinion, it's one of the best outreach projects you can possibly right. do. Is yeah, radio it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And by the way, you can help them out at logosradionetwork.com. Yeah. They accept donations. They've been listener supported. Uh, in addition to the pro bono work of the legal team, it's been a fully listener supported network the whole time it's existed. It's incredible. So, so you guys uh, are going to be live here doing a uh, debate between Roger Veer yeah. and Tone Vase. We've had over the last two days, we had them both on separately. And we could tell, in fact, they came in and they were kind of arguing with one another in here, like, oh, God, I got to see this happen in person. So I'm hoping to come in there and maybe get oh, some yeah. video of that yeah, of when it happens. We'll stream it to, Facebook to, Live. I hate to push these things as debates. I hope that the truth comes out in this discussion. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, TheCryptoShow.com. Well Check them out. We appreciate you guys coming on today. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. More coming up from an Archipulco. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is having its 2017 annual convention March 18th from 2 to 9 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Concord, New Hampshire. The banquet dinner will feature speakers Matt Phillips, president of the Free State Project, and keynote speaker Carla Howell, political director for the National Libertarian Party. Tickets for the convention and banquet are less than $60 and must be purchased before March 1st. Go to lpnh.org convention for more information or to buy tickets. That's lpnh.org convention. This is Free Talk Live. We are at Anarchapulco 2017, the beautiful uh, Mundo Imperial Resort and Expo. It's Ian and Mark here with you, with longtime guest and friend of the show, Adam Kokesh. Hey, Adam. Beautiful honor as always. Yeah, it's wonderful. Although I gotta say, they're having an anarchist get together 
at a place called Mundo, Mundo Imperial. Imperial. <laughs> and it's very imperial feeling. It's this huge, beautiful open space, big Greek-esque statues yeah. all over the place. Have you tried to get out? <laughs> No, you know what? I haven't been off the property since I've been here. It's I'm like, a really I'm nice prison. <laughs> it's a really, really nice prison. Yeah, you're, you're I've, tried, I've tried to get out, and you can't. <laughs> Let's get all the anarchists together in one place so that they can right. be taken out at the same time. It's, I don't know what to tell you. We went out last night. Yeah, Ian uh, escaped out the, uh, the driveway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, went out to uh, Taqueria, which was very, very nice, and went grocery shopping. There's all kinds of uh, cheap alcohol right across the street. You know, one of the greatest things that Berwick says, Jeff Berwick, our yep. host here, Dollar Vigilante, is that the more corrupt the government is, the more free you are. Mm. And I don't know if that is like an ultimate truth that holds true everywhere and in every Probably sense. not in North Korea. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I don't right? know. I heard you can smoke weed there legally. But see, it's, it's not corrupt in North Korea. It's like deliberately totalitarian whereas yeah. in here in Mexico you get pulled over slip the guy 20 you go you're free you know as opposed to the United States you get a $200 ticket and a huge legal hassle and have to well right. you don't really court. have to but court and all that you know it's like where, where well, are you, you more much free? have to <laughs> I, I've, I've missed a lot of court dates in my days just, just saying just and saying. you've gone to jail uh, that's a good point no. well you know what if I, if I may I think the last time I was on the show here I was talking about getting banned from flying out of Baltimore because the TSA thought that my ankle bracelet from being was on probation B-O-M-B. was B O M B, and uh, I got it. So I got a TSA charge out of that, and I skipped the court date, knowing that it, in worst case, uh, I end up with a bench warrant in Maryland. Okay, so I don't drive in Maryland anymore. Cool, you know, if we go on tour in Maryland, I make sure I'm not driving. Mm-hmm. I don't interact with law enforcement in Maryland. I ended up getting a letter from the TSA, like six months later saying we reduced it to a warning (laughs) the funny thing is flying back from mexico when i was in puerto vallarta for ayahuasca they were like they stopped me coming in because there was a warrant for my arrest and i had to be like no 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 that was resolved (laughs) and that you know half hour delay coming into the country but and when i go back i'm thinking about this i'm not sure but i'm I'm thinking i'm going to sneak back into the united states instead of go through customs so i can do it again in four years and be like see trump didn't really change anything (laughs) and and this is futile and and just uh, debating immigration is so silly right now because it's like should we ride unicorns to Mars? <laughs> Should we have government put up a barrier that's impenetrable to human beings trying to sneak across it? Once you realize it's impossible, the conversation's kind of moot. It's a crazy time right now uh, in the United States. i got to say, I'm not looking forward to uh, the flight back. I'm, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, th- there, there have been these news stories where the TSA can demand a password, demand that you put in a password onto your devices. Now, Let you them can, rip the data. Yeah. You can refuse... But then they can just take your device and then keep it for however long they would like to. Evidence. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, what do you do? Well, it, what I'm going to okay, do I, is... I, you abolish the government. That's the answer. Well, that'd be nice. But in the meantime, uh, my plan is to, like, wipe as much, you know, log out of everything, mm. uninstall programs. Oh, geez. Uh, wipe out, you know, uh, clear cookies. Basically make it as bland and as boring as so a, a laptop. Yeah, it my, took me a few hours. My laptop is an extension of my brain. Like, right. I could not do that. 
Yeah. I, well, like, do you I, want them to read all your you know messages actually, well, and so, Facebook and everything? Because you know, they will. Well, They'll do it. I, I have no problem with that actually. And you know when when they say you know if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Well, that's why the government should declassify everything. Otherwise, we know they're totally full of crap. But in in my case, you know, I respect other people who want to have real privacy in their lives. Mm-hmm. I've been a public figure as an activist for about a decade now. Sure. Coming up on my 10-year anniversary with the anniversary mm-hmm. of the Iraq War, March mm-hmm. 19. And I've come to this resignation that at least for myself, and I think for some people, they would be wise to adopt this. I just propose this as, as one, I put, put this out as one strategy to have in relationship to this, which is just live with no secrets. You know, live in line with your values, live comfortable with who you are so that if anybody were to ever find anything, you know, even if you do something wrong and, and you guys have both. And I, just cause I, I know you guys both as, as friends personally, I'm familiar with some of the adventures and misadventures you've been on <laughs> some. And, 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 and we've all three of us together in conversation have owned a lot of mistakes. And I think if you live that way and you really say, I want to live openly, transparently with no secrets, with no privacy, Maybe not no privacy because you, you still have privacy within this. But if, if I make a mistake, I want it to be out there. I want it to be called out. I want to be corrected I agree with, for that. I agree with you what know? you're saying. And to some extent, when you're a public person, you're doing that to at some level. But to just allow the government to, you know, to, to consent to them going through all of your stuff. I mean, well, I would never consent. Well, but ultimately, that's what you would be doing. You consent by you consent by living in the United States, and you know that. Well, and if and you know the NSA wants to go through your stuff, they probably can exactly. anyway. So you can yeah. accept that. But there's just something about just saying, okay, yeah, here's all my stuff. Just letting them in when it, when you could take a few steps to just you know clear all your cookies, log out of Facebook because if they get you said into a few the steps laptop, was two hours. Yeah, well, see, even all my porn is very vanilla, so like I'm not worried about <laughs> right. any of that either. Like let it out, who cares? You know, like and if I if it wasn't, if I not, had some weird thing, I'd I'd own it. You know, sure. <laughs> it's one thing about your your porn collection, but it's another thing when it's a conversation that you might be having with somebody else who doesn't know that you're doing that, right? So like if you're having okay, a no, no, if, okay, somebody, no. So this is the thing: if it's a digital conversation in this day and age, yeah. unless you have offline complete end to end end to end to end offline encryption you cannot be sure that what you're doing I agree is with secure you. and i and, and everybody knows this no matter what because you but you're, but you what they have, have is your end. on your phone they have your end I don't they think, have that end and if it's your not end, locked no, no, out it's, your, my end is never offline your computer is always hooked up to the internet right or not always but it, if the, the if the cia really wanted to send in a virus and crack your stuff sure. and, and get all your data like you it's not secure it's an illusion of you are you are busting your butt but for an illusion then they have to work for it. Privacy. At least then they have to work they, for it. No, you're, they have all the Are you the, really like advocating right now? Are you really advocating that people should just let the uh, let the government into their laptop? Well, no, 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 no. I think we should resist as reasonably we can, but I don't think we well, should lose sleep over that. it. I don't. I, I don't think it's worth the. I, I don't know, lose sleep over it. It's your personal choice. If I'm choice. sitting in the airport, you're I losing got some, something if you spent two hours. Yeah, on exactly. It. The government yeah. just manipulated you into spending two hours. The time in the airport that I'm sitting waiting for the plane, I can be just logging out of stuff. You could be, you know, looking at porn instead. Mm-hmm. That's not a nice. You could thing be to calling do radio airport. stations to have them carry. <laughs> not in Mexico. Life. I can't. Yeah, call anybody. there you go. I can't call See, anybody in Mexico. Send emails. No, I just, I just, you know, I'm not saying this is right for everybody. I'm just saying yeah. I'm very comfortable with it, and it's right for me. And I think everybody who understands it should at least consider this approach. Well, I, I know I totally see what you're saying. It's just that uh, it's not like they're going to find anything incriminating, but they're it's none of their damn business. But how many and segments so do I get to do? Today? Don't we have some? You can have more than one. Uh, we're going to talk about your presidential campaign you. here uh, in a moment. But you know, it's not that they're it's found not that, in buttons. You push the buttons again. Everything happens well, all the time. The, the other thing is you don't always know. 
know what it is that's illegal. Okay, so here's the other thing. Even if you don't, think yeah, you no, have no. So that's a different liability. Everything's illegal, so they can come after you and find you for it, and right. say that's Even illegal. Even if you don't think you have something to hide, you may still have something that they don't yeah, you know, like and that they may charge you. No, with. you can't even worry about that because if they want to set you up, they'll set you up. That's There's true. Nothing you can do about it. Yep. Sorry. That's true. Like it's not even worth losing sleep over. All right. Adam Kokesh is here. He is uh, <laughs> running for president in the year 2020, starting uh, now. <laughs> and you. Are wait, wait, no. I'm running for not president. With the it's libertarian such an, party. It's such an unlibertarian thing to say I'm running for president as in I want to preside over people or rule people. Yeah, or so run what does this. that mean then to be not president? What is that? Well, when I say I'm running for not president, I actually mean that in a very serious sense as it relates to the platform, which is the immediate disillusion in a peaceful, orderly manner of the entire United States federal government. So the plan is to go in, sign a single executive order in which we declare the federal government to be of no authority. I resign as president to become custodian of the federal government of the United States and appoint custodians of every major agency. So we have a a cabinet of custodians, if you will. Mm -hmm. And within this executive order, you have the outline of a pretty specific plan of what you do with each agency and spin them off or dissolve them privatize them or localize them so like for example the va there's no reason the va should not exist it just should not be funded by tax dollars right so it can be given an endowment and you know what i think would happen and those veterans were promised things they were promised by an organization however that you know well it'd it'd be nice to honor that the way i I think of this and you are a veteran by the way for listeners that may not be familiar hold that hold that thought we're going to get deeper into it here uh, in a moment with adam kokesh what's the best website for you these days thefreedomline.com the book thefreedomline.com we're coming up here from anarchapulco with adam kokesh Free Talk Live at Anarchapulco, and you can't join the conversation tonight. Sorry, unless you're actually here at Anarchapulco, in which you case should be. we'd <laughs> love to talk to you. Um, but, you know, we're doing interviews only, and we're actually pre-recording all of these just because it's too hard to schedule people to come back later at night. Uh, yeah, can you come back at 9 p.m.? No, nobody wants to do that. We're all so, wasted by then here. Exactly, yeah. I mean, at it's the pool, a libertarian, it's a libertarian conference. So, uh, so and anyway, it's in Mexico. We're having fun with a lot of the great folks here. Adam Kokesh, longtime uh, guest of the show. Sometime co-host, actually. You yeah. used to co-host yeah. Free Talk Live when I was in jail uh, back in the day. And then you yeah. went to Civil jail disobedience. In, uh, in D.C. So, um, by, by the way, just a quick update. I know you probably updated our listeners last time. But you're, you're done with, like, uh, suspended sentences, yeah. probation. Yeah, I'm just a felon at this point. Was it so, a felony? Three. It was? Jeez. So you <laughs> wandered into Washington, D.C. Um, you wanted to show that um, the, the laws in, Maryland, in, excuse me, in uh, Virginia that allowed you to open carry a pistol on one side of a bridge were, it's kind of silly that you can do it on one side of a bridge, but you can't do it on another. Yeah. Um, you did a little video where you basically racked a <laughs> shotgun um, in, or it, the, at the very least in front of a picture of uh, something. <laughs> no, no, I did it. it I, I've confessed at this point. Okay. Yeah, no, it was real. In Washington, D.C., <laughs> And uh, it just made him so mad. (laughs) The the ironically named Freedom Plaza. Yeah. (laughs) And now you want to go back to that place. You want to go back as not president, as you were just telling us. Well, I'm I'm kind of hoping that uh, soon after signing this executive order, we would be turning the White House over to the White House Museum Association Mm -hmm. to convert it into a museum. And I would probably set up shop in the Pentagon for the process of the dissolution. I figured you'd have a mobile home. Uh, You know what? Oh, man, you got me. That's even better. I'll I'll park it at the Pentagon in the parking lot. You know, and go, or or so, you know, maybe I'll be able to. Right in the parking lot, yeah. That'll be. Like Trapper John MD. Oh, social, or uh, Secret Service will hate me. I'm I'm rolling. 
rolling around and I'm sleeping in a in a 19 foot RV trailer that I've been living in for the last. They two will years. like that, yeah. Yeah, right. So I mean, as we've seen with the Trump administration, executive orders don't always mean a whole lot. I mean, how do you know the okay. Supreme Court's not going to come yeah. in and say overruled? Yeah. Well, duh. Well, this is this is one of those cases, and and, and I really want to get back if we can to the agency by agency how this would work. Okay. But the requirement to really win on this platform is not 51 percent of the vote. Or even, you know, 34% in a three-way race where the, the libertarian running on this platform gets 34%, Republicans and Democrats get 33% each. No. In order to carry out a platform like this, you need a national consensus. The way I think about this, to put it in, in maybe more free market or, or libertarian terms, is I'm not really running for president. I'm running as like a third-party dispute resolution arbiter going in and like, hey, there's an unethical thing that has been done here. There's an unethical institution that shouldn't exist. There's a giant pile of stolen property that we should do our best to return to the people from whom it was stolen. Mm-hmm. There's a giant pile of... Uh, land property that's been claimed by federal government that has no right to it whatsoever that should be if not turned over to the states made available for homesteading to be opened up as you know to, to be developed by individuals that you know so I, I really think of this in in those terms rather than I'm taking charge of this office or taking on any authority I'm I'm really being hired to perform a very specific function of we're going to dissolve the federal government now. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to let the states be the highest form of government in the land. And with that overwhelming consensus, the Supreme Court is immediately declared of no authority. If you have an overwhelming majority, like I think it's going to, you're going to have to win with 60%, 70%, you know, or nobody coming out to vote at all if that's the case. You know, at my talk yesterday, I asked this, this crowd, and, and this is really – a lot of people think that voting is an act of – a violation of the non-aggression principle, which is a, a silly misunderstanding. Yeah. It's an expression of preference. There's no, the, the, the violation of the non-aggression principle is holding an election and forcing the results on people, not going yeah. and voting defensively or for less violence or expressing a preference or even expressing a preference We've had long for violence. Yeah, your, your with audience the, with the anti-voters yeah. on uh, on our yeah. show. Well, our yeah. audience believes all kinds of different things, right? But, <laughs> well, here we have a very anti-voting crowd. Sure. And I asked them, you know, after talking about my campaign, I said, "How many of you don't vote?" And it was like three quarters of the audience. And right. I said. Thank you for your support. You know, like <laughs> as long as you're not voting for a statist, you know, you're on team freedom. You're sure. all, I've already got your support. I really appreciate that. Choosing not to vote is different than um, claiming that uh, voting is aggression or whatever. Of Those course. are different statements. Yeah, yeah I and, mean, and, and I, I would... understand why was someone's demoralized about their options <laughs> out there, you know. I voted for it's Gary Johnson mind. not because I thought he was uh, God King, but be- because I thought that he was the least distasteful of three to God four, four options. <laughs> well, and, and I would say that voting is generally a waste of time most of the time. Yeah, most if of you the have time. something better Unless to do, you live in New Hampshire, in which case you can actually vote for real principled libertarian, voluntarist, yes. anarchist types who yes. are actually on the ballot and winning or in when, New Hampshire. When government has to concede a major portion of their racket, namely the drug war centered around marijuana prohibition, and you can come out and vote and actually change policy, yeah, please. That's if, worth if it. If you can make a difference yep. by voting in those rare occasions, yes, I, you have not a responsibility, not an obligation, but you have an opportunity to make change through voting. Colorado so, is a perfect, you know, Washington, yeah, so all these many. other states. I mean, it's, it's made a difference there. And, and voting, registering to vote um, allows you to get on juries, which then you are one of very few people who are on the jury mm-hmm. who get to make a decision. Vote not guilty. R- right. Regarding people, and sometimes it's, sometimes they are guilty. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know? Well, if it's a victimless crime, they're not, and if the state is coming after them, they're the guilty party, right. and you have the if opportunity it, to protect them from the state. If it's a criminal uh, case and that's a victimless crime, then one 
juror makes the difference the every right. single time. Yeah. So, and you can't tell me that um, you know voting in that case is is aggression. Right. Tell me, right? So, if if I may, then about, it's heroic. Exactly, if you vote not not guilty. There, well, you're also taking a small risk from the court. But anyway, oh, if, yeah. I, if I may get back to the VA because this is something, yeah, sure, really dear to me as a veteran who sees you're the, in the Marines. Veteran suicide. Yeah. You could tell from the stupid look on my face. Thank you. <laughs> um, when there's, <laughs> that's a good joke. <laughs> when we have 22 veteran suicides a day in America, yeah, and you know that there are an incredible amount of resources going towards taking care of veterans, and they're not connecting. I would love to see nothing more than the VA turned into a private charity with an endowment from we sell. You know, all the military gear owned by the United States military. Now, I'll come back to the finances of this in a second, but we give the VA an endowment and let the veterans own it. Every single veteran in America gets a single voting share. Now, veterans control those resources. The VA belongs to the veterans. I guarantee you, you're going to see a drop in a dramatic drop in veteran suicides. You could detach it from the tax base, you detach it from the politicians. You will provide that essential social service better. During the Iraq um, and Afghanistan wars, there were more veterans killing themselves each year than there were dying, dying in combat. on these battlefields. Yeah. Sick. It's Sick. crazy. Literally crazy. So uh, in the general principle here, I, I, I think what we can do is sell off the assets of the federal government and use it to mm-hmm. create endowments to, cre- to, to meet the obligations that the federal government has taken on in order to convince people to go along with its theft racket. So I remember Harry have... Brown's campaign, uh, the libertarian candidate from mm-hmm. 1996 and 2000, mm-hmm. I think his pitch was that they were going to not only sell the assets, but also like demolish the IRS building and sell off pieces of the <laughs> IRS building so that people could buy a piece of one. the IRS yeah, building and use that money oh, to pay off Social Security recipients and pay off uh, the VA yeah. recipients, yeah, like that. yeah, and 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 you create you don't you, you separate it from taxation, which is theft, you know, but right. you can create an endowment based on this and let it run out, let it fade out, or you're essentially privatizing Social Security right. with government money that's already been stolen and actually making it stronger and, and potentially forget- better for the long run because now it can morph into something that is sustainable and in harmony with the needs of the people it's supposed and to be. And think serving. about the money that you could get from selling the land that the government, just the land alone, let alone the buildings or whatever their mm-hmm. assets they have. But Most of the Western states are a majority. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a huge, huge yeah. asset. So some agencies, like the IRS, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of fun, creative stuff that we can work into this. Um, Harry Brown had some good <laughs> ideas, man. He really did. I'm a Harry Brown libertarian. He's the guy that brought me mm-hmm. into uh, into this movement. Right on. Yeah, he I know. Hugely the last great presidential yeah. candidate that they ever had. <laughs> Oh, but Narek, uh, gotta give that him. That was good. He, he was, was the good. first person I ever voted yeah. for for president. I'm a few years behind you. That was yeah. 2004. He, he was good, and then they went downhill from there. Well, Bob Barr. I, yeah, there's not a single complaint that I've ever heard anyone make about the Libertarian Party that would not be solved by them showing up and doing something about it. So I'm showing up and within doing the party about it. trying to, yeah. to make a difference. Yeah. It's 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 really a beautiful open source platform. What are you going to do about big fat naked guys dancing on stage? Um. You should hire him. Yeah, yeah he's a really better more. lighting, disco lights, um, better music, sound production. I think I think if, if we're going to have dancing naked guys on stage, we just need to make sure that the the production values are respected by right, mainstream right. society. Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, he only had a cell phone that he could play his yeah, music from. So. Yeah, that was it was just weak. He was rushed too. I mean, he, he, was he, like, good, he had though. to disrobe quickly. He yeah. had the physique down. He yeah. had the the dancing yep. enthusiasm down. It was, it was the right song. song. I think it was some, something about sex with a bearded man. There's yeah. actually yeah, the beard song. Yeah. 
If your mom doesn't have, or if your dad doesn't have a beard, you've got two moms, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the IRS is an agency that you can just be like, no, you don't even get two weeks notice. You get two months notice. We get elected in November. We take office in January. Mm-hmm. You're done. You're done. First, the executive order signed. You're done. If you're not part of the cleanup crew, you go home. That's it. Mm-hmm. Done. Clean out your desk. Um, if we're nice, we won't cut your hands off. <laughs> right. And right. some agencies need to be localized like there are a lot of essential social services provided by the federal government where there are roles of people who are on welfare who are just receiving benefits and, and involved in, in significantly involved programs where you don't want to pull the rug under, under out from underneath anybody you want to allow for a peaceful transition to state agencies department of justice is, is a, another example of that kind of agency where you have uh, millions of people in jail hold that thought we're crimes. coming up with adam kokash from anarchapulco in moments we just got our new Rye Guys t-shirts. I chose the Power Corrupts shirt and the I'm Already Against the Next War shirt. These quality shirts look good and feel good, and they feature clever, thought-provoking designs to promote freedom, peace, and healthy skepticism of modern mythologies. The Rye Guys donate a portion of proceeds to Antiwar.com and the Future of Freedom Foundation. Enter coupon code FTL at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's RyeGuys.com. W-R-Y-Guys.com. RyeGuys.com. It's a rye wit for today's shit. One, which I presume there will be, uh, given that there's a large it's, crowd here. It seems well, very successful. There, there might not be an Anarchopolco next year oh. because we might come to the tipping point and just abolish the state and all this yeah. will be irrelevant. I'm just saying it's, hi- it's hypothetical. I appreciate your like optimism. If, if everybody reads my book in the next year, I mean, it's been going viral. It's continuing to slowly go viral. We your might book is Freedom. Freedom, free in every digital format possible, including audiobook. At Sorry, was I interrupting line. your introduction? No, no, the Freedom I, I, I totally just poached your sponsorship sponsorship spot didn't that's I? all right this segment brought to you by adam kokesh and his book freedom yes. <laughs> the freedomline.com is where people can go yep. to read that book uh and of course bitcoin.com is bringing us this entire conference uh, and i know that you're a bitcoin fan absolutely right. so uh, i wish I, I wish i was i could i could like claim more credibility as an expert but it is and, and it's not just bitcoin but cryptocurrency i've, I've always separated that and it's it's uh, yes, of course. I hope Bitcoin can maintain its dominance. And no. I mean, I don't really care if, now, if it gets not displaced by someone else. As not president, uh, what about the Federal Reserve? That's a really good there. question. Now, a lot of people want to say, "End the Fed, end the Fed." And when I say "end the Fed," I mean end the Federal Government, yeah, not sure. the Federal Reserve System, because ultimately the libertarian answer to everything is let the market decide. Right? Let's mm-hmm. let everybody have a say in this. Let's let every individual actor in a society have a say in this. So what happens to the Federal Reserve System under the Kokesh not presidency? They just spin it off. Let the, they if, can if, do whatever if, they want as long as they don't shut down somebody else's bank. If right, I want right. to open a bank yes. tomorrow yes. and take deposits in uh, gold and gold. silver and issue notes, they will do their very, very <laughs> best to not only, to disappear my ass. You'll oh, yeah. never get a license. Right. right. So, I mean... Oh, they'll know, raid you. Yeah, they'll uh, do all I kinds of things. we used to have uh, Wayne on, on the show. He talked years ago. He told us about a warehouse bank. Somebody tried to open up in California, I believe mm-hmm. it was, and they came in there with gun- men with guns. Yep, you know, put, a, put they put a stop to that real fast. Yep, and so they don't like competition. That's what the issue is: is that they choose to use violence against their competitors. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really interesting question for the platform, right? Now we're going to have a book coming out in a year or two called American Freedom that lays out the principles and the general overview of this plan. But the executive order, when we get to the point where we hire a team of lawyers to lay it out in explicit legal terms that are really binding. And, and, and specific, it, it's going to be a, an evolving document 
on our website at kokeshfornotpresident.com because the federal government will always be changing up to the minute that we win, and we have to be able to have a document that applies to the exact current state of the federal government. The important question, though, in this is, what is the state of the dollar? Now, I wish I could say that I'm pure Bitcoin, that I don't use the dollar, but no, I'm sorry. We the, all have to. The dollar is still my primary currency. Uh, it's the peso at the moment. But, um, you know, I do as little <laughs> business as possible in the dollar. I do as much in Bitcoin and right. in barter and off the record and under the table and all of that. And I, I, would, I would put it to you guys who probably are, are more familiar with the technical aspects of this and the economics of this. You know, how many Americans would it take shifting to just my habits? To crash the dollar. I mean, right now, I would say we're probably like one or two, maybe three percent of the population that are doing something akin to what I'm doing. But I'd imagine say that's optimistic. Well, okay, but imagine if we got it up again. To- you're just saying barter and those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, so, a lot of okay, yeah. some some conscientious form of deliberately trying to use the dollar as little as practically okay. possible, right? I, I'd say somewhere around 2 or 3%. And it depends how you measure it. Who cares, right? Sure. But imagine if we got that up to 15, 20%. I think that would be enough to crash the dollar. So imagine if. In 2019, I'm getting momentum with this. Now, I have to stop back, if I may sidebar, and say, there's, I, I know this is, might come as a scary disappointment to some people. There's a possibility that I won't win on this platform <laughs> in 2020. But if I don't, I will continue to run until the federal government ceases to exist one way or another. Really? It might not be possible to end it this way. It might end first with a widespread secession movement. Mm-hmm. It might end with a collapse. Either way, the message of my campaign is we can do this the easy way or the hard way. The hard way is we keep our heads Please. buried in the sand. Adam Kokesh 2020, <laughs> yes. we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the hard way is, is to you know let it go to a collapse point. Let it keep getting worse. The easy way is let's come up with a solution as big as the problem. Mm-hmm. So... So well, hold on. So back to the dollar thing. Okay. If if we had if, if we're getting in range of just fifty percent of the electorate going, eh, okay, I'd vote to abolish the federal government. Do you think maybe a third of them, less than you know, a little more than fifteen percent, are now at least using the dollar less? It's quite likely that by the time anyone could win on this platform, the federal government won't. Uh, have the dollar exist. system anyway. You know, that th- th- we win before we win. Well, right, I don't think we need I mean? to, to abolish the dollar. I think we need to make it just so that there can be competition yeah. without any... Well, but it, 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 but we, it, it might be that Bitcoin is already enough competition functionally that we don't need to get the government out of the way of regulating the kind of business of right. a bank that you mentioned, and just Bitcoin as an alternative will be enough. We, we can skip the gold. We can skip free market banking. I don't know, maybe not skip free market banking. We can skip traditional free market would-be banking mm-hmm. and jump ahead to cryptocurrency-based economies. Like, that could be the answer. I, I don't know. But it's, it's a really interesting question to see, like, if we got to 51% saying, what, let's abolish the federal government, what is the state of the dollar going to be at that point? What I'm excited about here is, is that, for me, what the Libertarian Party does is it provides me with a candidate, as I said previously, that is less distasteful than the other two candidates that are generally out there. I'm going to be excited about the notion of voting for Adam Kokesh. Because it's not about me. Yeah, right. It's the, it's well, the idea. It's the platform. I've been a fan. It is, to, to some extent, <laughs> it is about you because you're able to articulate a message in a way that most people can't. You're right, fast and you. you're feet. You're not going to get caught going blue in front of some interviewer, generally. Um, you know, those kind, of, tongue out. Yeah, those kind of things. No, I don't do that. It's, 
you know, I I pitched for you to be able to debate uh, against Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. during this campaign and Roger Veer, Bitcoin Jesus, the, the, mm-hmm. the founder then, of Bitcoin.com. Didn't he end up debating Ted Cruz or something like that recently? Oh, Bernie I don't know Sanders. About that. There were some, wi- no, but about there were some whispers about that, and it was like, well, I think they did. I think they actually had some sort of televised debate. I'm like, what a jerk! Mm-hmm. You know, he could have gotten a half a million dollars for charity if he had accepted Adam's uh, debate invitation. Well, he could have also been talking to someone who at least respects him as a, a someone who's attempting to be a philosophically consistent ideologue as opposed right. to a reactionary like Ted Cruz. Yeah, it was uh, it's a shame. Now, uh, you know, something that uh, you're you're saying about well, if 51% believe this. And it, I think that that's a kind of about manifesting our uh, beliefs into reality where the government we have is sort of, you could say, the government that the people deserve because they want to be protected. They're f- afraid. They're angry. And look, what do you get? You get a, a violent, dangerous uh, state out of that. If you can change people's minds, if you can change their hearts, then you're right. That'll manifest into something completely different. So if I may go back to the yeah. agency by agencies, we have the Department of sure. Justice where they are custodians of human lives, many of whom should be free. And you can't just say, okay, we abolish the Department of Justice and have all these people in cages, yeah, starving cages. Or, right. and, and, but the other thing is you That's can't... That's the BOP also, the Bureau of Prisons right. underneath the de- sure. DOJ. Yeah. Thank you for the clarification. You can there, definitely you... uh, pardon a whole bunch of those guys. I was going to ask is if that, you're going to put all these people in yes. place. I need to be your secretary for the BOP. I, hey, you know what? I, one of the things I'm really excited in the next few years is building out this campaign, and I, I don't want to make any promises off the top of my head here, but I do. I'm the if, most qualified. If, if, if spent you spent nine years in prison. If you, want to, if you seriously want to say, Adam, I want to sign up for your campaign yes. as someone who would take care of dismantling this function of government, I would be honored to have you as part of it. Yeah, I just can't commit to the... You take a huge commitment in running for office under the uh, you know, libertarian ticket. I could never make that kind of commitment just because it's, so much, uh, it's so, much, so much of a commitment. I will, however, make the smaller commitment to be that and speak on your behalf because, again... I'm a fan of Adam Kokesh. And I would love to Aww. have the team in place to be able to do that in 2020. And I would lo- and, and mo- most importantly, you're my best life insurance policy. <laughs> because if there's a secession here, you know, if a VP candidate, you know, if something happens to me, <laughs> somebody's hey, in place. S- slide over the next guy in the tuxedo. Yep. And next thing you know, hey you, hey, you still have a candidate on the platform of abolishing the federal government. It's not about me. Another principled option. So we, we have to go about this in, in a way that is practical and responsible based on the current reality there are people in federal prison who should be forcibly isolated from society agreed by libertarian standards you can't just say oh we'll let them all go no No. but everybody who's in jail for a victimless crime and you have to have a process overseen by a custodian of the department of justice or custodial janitor of the uh, the attorney general office or whatever you want to call it and you know coordinating with someone who's overseeing the dissolution of the bureau of prisons to decide who facilities. gets to go home and who's um, uh, a former governor of illinois <laughs> <laughs> so the people who should be in jail you transfer them to state custody you know it's not that complicated there's like there's not a single challenge of dissolving the federal government that can't be answered in, in a very easy reasonable way so you let out the nonviolent right. per, you let out the victimless and you could criminals. take some of the funding from selling off the land to give to the state to put that put that person behind bars hold that thought uh, adam kokish we'll do one more segment with you uh here from anarchapulco 2017 more coming up on free talk live it's free talk live 
Live with Adam Kokesh in the remote studio here at Anarchapulco 2017, anarchapulco.com. Go there, check that out, learn more about this great event. It's been a lot of fun, lots of great people here, uh, and we're going to continue uh, with this conversation about the presidential campaign, uh, which, by the way, all of this is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Presidential campaign for you, Adam Kokesh, it's already kicked into gear. You're already working. Not presidential campaign. The not presidential, <laughs> right. And, and actually, your website, you mentioned it a moment ago. Obviously, there's the freedomline.com, but you Kokesh can, yeah. for not president.com. Which is easier to find from the, the freedomline.com freedom than okay. to remember how to spell my it's last name. It's linked there. Plus, yep. it's a little weird to say for not president it's just people aren't used to hearing that but maybe that'll make people pay attention it gets the point across yeah. so beautifully i suppose you've bought kokesh 2020 kokesh 2024 no i figure those will be better for trolls that's what kokesh okay. for not president will last forever and then yep. let all those other ones be like troll sites okay. you know so uh you were just talking about the bureau of prisons mark has stepped up to volunteer yeah. for your campaign and that leads me to another question is you know people out there listening they may already be fans of yours but well, they might on, not gotta, this is like an exciting announcement because the kokesh for not president campaign is still technically in exploratory mode okay and we already have a nominee for custodian of the Bureau of, the Bureau Prisons. of Prisons. And and to have someone like Mark as a compassionate human being who understands <laughs> what it means, having done nine years, That's to right. be in that situation and to be... To, I mean, to... to, to to see someone who's in jail for a victimless crime and go, okay, Kokesh got elected, you're going to be let out soon, for you to be able to manage that process in a compassionate way, I think, I think you'd be beautiful for that Thank job. you so much. Uh, so how would someone else who's listening, who's excited about the exploratory campaign, get involved? How right. can they reach out to you? Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Right now, the main thing is to go to the forums at thefreedomline.com. We have subforums, state-by-state organizing. Just sign up, give us your contact info so people in your state can find you. We're going to be uh, kicking off the campaign this fall with a national tour again and going uh, all over 48 states. Eventually, we'll hit Alaska and Hawaii as well. And, um, you know, we want to get people uh, organized in a way to use this campaign for the short term as a way to spread the message. The idea is that we can use this to take our movement from arguably somewhere between half a percent and a percent of the population of people who understand freedom as a principle, right? Mm-hmm. Some, you know. okay. and I, I think there's a low-hanging fruit, if you will, of about 10% of the population who, in their gut, know that government is a racket, and, and, and they d- don't know how to act on it. They don't know how to talk about it. They can't see it as a comprehensive framework, which is what I made possible with my book, Freedom, as easy as possible. It's 100 pages, three-hour audio book that's free. You know, all of those things, it makes it easy for people to grasp that. So I'd like to be using this campaign right now. We're not really pitching it to the mainstream. The mainstream pitch is, okay, you're a liberal, you're a conservative. I can't convince you that you should be free. Well, would you rather be governed locally where your voice and your vote have a chance of mattering or by someone in a far-off capital. And that's just, there's so many pitches within that that grow off of that. It's like, it makes it so easy to pitch to the mainstream. But we're not there yet. What I'd like to see is that we use this campaign to grow the movement from half a percent to maybe 10%. If we can do that in the next three years, whew, I know you'd all be very happy with that. (laughs) That would be pretty impressive. It might take 12 years eight years, whatever. I'm glad to see you're flexible on it. Yes. Uh, you know, like I said, I'll keep running. You're, you're going to keep doing it. I'll <laughs> keep running until the federal government ceases to exist one way or another. And if we then turn, if, if we can grow this movement to that critical mass, then in 2020, I'm on the road nonstop. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is the absolute core focus of my life, nonstop on the road, all of 2020. And then we're pitching it to the middle American 
electorate. Um, but, but right now it's really about a strengthening and growing this community of people who understand that government is a racket because that's what's sustainable for the long term. I would not feel comfortable asking people to support me to donate. By the way, you can donate Bitcoin only at this point. As a mm-hmm. not presidential campaign, we don't have a bank account yet. We're right. not registered with the FEC. Uh, I don't know if we ever will be. Uh, I think Daryl Perry, Perry, Perry didn't do it. did a great job yeah. doing a Bitcoin only campaign. I thought that was awesome. Although we will take cash as well. I'll just right. say that. Uh, even if that's an act of civil disobedience in and of itself. And I would not feel comfortable asking people to support me in this endeavor if it was, well, let's build up Adam Kokesh's brand. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's build up this candidate in this campaign. It's like, no, this is a mechanism to build the movement and give it teeth first and foremost and show how we apply it to politics at the highest level, how we make a bridge from the present-day statism that we live under, the brutal, violent society of centralized control, how we evolve. And not, we don't want a revolution. We want an evolution. And this is in my yeah, book. I think it's the most important idea because a lot of libertarians never took the time to consider this. It's really easy to go, okay, so we live in a coercive society. We want a non-coercive society. But to say, how do we get from here to there? There's a lot of, like, you know, underpants gnome step two. Well, gee, I don't know. We're going to steal underpants, and somewhere we're going to turn that into profit. <laughs> you know, and it's like, come on, guys. You know, we need like people tell me like you're not being realistic because you want an ideal of a stateless society it's like no that's what's inevitable Hmm. what's unrealistic is keeping the statist system going that's the utopia that we can somehow we can make the violence work if we just have the violence controlled by the right people if we just do the right violence instead of the wrong violence against each (laughs) other then we'll get along like come on that's silly but we do look at the practical present reality and say, how do we get from here to there? And the answer, and I don't claim credit for any of the ideas in my book. I started writing when I was in jail because people sent me all these books from people way smarter than myself. You know, I just... Well, you edited them. it down to 100, 100 pages. pages. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, it was, I had a lot of help. <laughs> so... Yeah, just, just taking it down to that. But from all the study that I've done, localization is the answer to this. It's because it's, you cannot convince people hey, let's, let's create a libertarian federal government and force that on all 50 states. Be, and by that, I mean a libertarian-ish, you know, minarchist, right. whatever system, based on some presidents and Congress's personal preferences. No, sorry, you can't do that. But what we can do, and, and it also, when, when people have become so dependent on the state, I don't think that's a humanitarian way to transition out of statism. We don't want to pull the rug out from underneath anybody. Mm-hmm. We want government localized to the point where it's so small, you know, as, as some would say, you can drown it in a bathtub, right? But it, it's, or ignore it's, it safely. Well, Trump's already figuring out <laughs> changing the federal government is trying to, like, trying to suck a golf ball through 50 foot of hose. <laughs> I mean, you're just not going to do yes, it. Yes, exactly. But you get it down to the, uh, you know, when we eliminate the federal government, we have a peaceful transition to state governments. People will be so much happier and prosperous and freer. Sure. They're going to go, I, I want more localalization. That was so awesome. Give me another shot of that. You've already got uh, the Yes California campaign. Yes, exactly. 33% uh, support. Yes. Right so, now. So we get down to states, then it's going to get down to counties. And yeah. when it gets down to counties and it gets down to cities, now you're at the community level. And when you're at the community level, that's where you displace these violent systems with nonviolent systems. So if you live in a place with a lot of poverty, you live in a place that's very dependent on welfare, I don't want to stop that. And I don't want to privatize that at the national level. I want it localized and then privatized. And by privatized, I mean made nonviolent. 
it's a, a, a big vision, and you, you know, it takes a, a real you know, special person to have a big ver- vision like that. And I'm glad that you're the guy who's out there pushing these ideas. My and, mom always told me I was special, yeah. <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> You've always been special to me, Adam. <laughs> uh, and, and you're, you're going to be hitting back on YouTube pretty soon, I hear. You're no, still I've doing been YouTube on. right yeah, now. Well, I've, I've, you're going ra- to crank it up, is what you were telling me. Off yeah, well, I've been, I've been building up getting back into regular Man on the Street videos, and I love Which this I love. format. They're great. It's just, it's, you know, I... I I've had you know I had a TV show I had a radio show and and you guys do some, you know something beautiful different here with your format for me it's always been more like ranting mm-hmm. you know and presenting and I, I whereas instead what I really really enjoy is engaging in conversation doing a kind of Socratic dialogue I think where it's you persuasive people yeah I mean even if you don't persuade the person who's there the listening to you it's the audience that really is uh, the one that's persuaded thanks for coming on as always it's I know we honor. can keep you on it but we've got other folks <laughs> who've been waiting patiently the and, incredible uh, Judd Weiss that's right mm-hmm. we're gonna bring him in next here uh, from Anarchopolco and uh, Adam Kokesh, thefreedomline.com. Thefreedomline.com. There are lots of ways to listen to Free Talk Live. Our podcast has been around since podcasts began, and now the FTL feed is loaded with content besides our full show archives. Did you know that we make it easy for you to customize your podcast subscriptions? We have different feeds, one that includes only our full shows, one with just the Daily Digest, and one with just the Edgington Post. You decide what you listen to. It's quick and easy to customize your feeds at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're at Anarchapulco 2017. All kinds of great people here. Lots of uh, libertarian and voluntarist and liberty-loving anarchists uh, all throughout the audience and on the stage, of course, some of them uh, with which we're very familiar. And Judd Weiss is with us here. Right. If you go to any liberty event, the chances are very high that you're going to have a see a guy who's running around taking pictures and, uh, you know, sort of bringing people in. That guy is Judd Weiss. He's like the Liberty photographer. And he's here with us. Hey, Judd. Oh, you know what? Your mic is not on. Let's try that again. Now it is. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Sure. Uh, Have we ever had you on before? I don't recall. uh, I don't think so. Okay. First time then. Excellent. Well, I know you're giving a speech this this time. Uh, What's that speech about? Well, you know, you were mentioning the photography. There's probably over 25,000 Facebook profile photos out there that are mine now. Maybe even 30,000 at this point. Wow. Just because I know I'm obsessed I keep with one. the camera. Yeah, I keep one. I also use the one that you gave me for my headshot. Um, you know, somehow you were able to get me and make my face thinner, and it was really great. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get more right swipes for these nerds in the scene. I okay. think that would be a nice contribution. I got you. In yeah. fact, I don't think we have much future this if we is, don't this do is that. A tender, this is a tender quote for those that don't understand, right? Well, ulti- yes, totally. Oh, right swipes. Okay. It all- yeah, yeah. I, I want, I want the, the scene to look better and okay. to look like a place that you don't want to avoid these socially awkward nerds, which is how it was presented <laughs> for a long time. I want yeah. it to look like the place you want to be. Yeah, because like, I've seen your pictures on Facebook. You've got, like, you're at a Playboy Mansion party recently. Yeah. I mean, and, and you yeah, ultimately, I think people vote and, and believe in, uh, based on group solidarity. And they don't want to be a part of this group because we're making a miserable experience for people. Hmm. And I want us to really focus. We're, we're focused on being right. But we need to also focus on that experience. So we need to make this like, this looks awesome. This is a cool place to be. How the hell do I get into that? So is that what you're talking about today on stage? Kind of, sort of. And and some people also know me because I ran with McAfee recently. John McAfee ran for president, Libertarian Party candidate. That's right, yeah. uh, Ran for the nomination. Gary Johnson won. But yeah, I was McAfee's VP nominee, uh, running mate. And... 
You were the reason so many people, by the way, um, were sort of willing to take a chance on McAfee is because he picked you as the running mate. Mm. Uh, You know, well, when I came in, his campaign was kind of dead. And... I just changed the image, the the, the logo, the you slogan, did some video work for him too, and those videos. And what I was trying to do with the campaign is the same thing I'm trying to do with the, the photography, with the photos. What I'm trying to do is focus on our experience. We've got the content down. We're good there. In fact, yeah. I think we've got the best product on the market. Mm-hmm. But we've probably, I would say, I would rate our sales ability at about F, mm-hmm. maybe lower. Yeah. So we, we haven't been doing a good job of catching on. We've got the best product and we're not selling it. We're not selling it well. And, and what we generally do is we're criticizing everybody else. Like, these people are all idiots. Whether they're slacktivists or they're, they disagree with us, whatever it is, we're upset about it. And that's like attacking your customers. We need to treat people like potential customers. And we need to think, okay, well, we've got a problem. People aren't into it. And there, there's a group solidarity. And maybe they're not thinking. Maybe they don't care about politics. Maybe they're apathetic. Well, that's a sea we swim in. Indeed. That's not so. What I say is, I'm going to be talking about this on stage. Imagine yep. what would happen if a car company said, "You know, screw all these sales guys. The engineers know the car so much better. Why and don't them we sell it? Why don't we just fire all the sales guys and have the engineers sell directly on the showroom floor? Yeah, let's, Can you imagine what would happen? Disaster. <laughs> let's let the engineers uh, you know, talk. Try to sell people over the internet and well, not even go to the salesroom floor because well, the chances <laughs> are they, they would, you know, it'd be a disaster. So you'd imagine what would happen. You would have the liberty movement. Yeah, because that's what yeah. we are. We're engineers dominating the sales department. And, you know, it makes sense because we're the ones creating the product. We're, we're all nerds in this scene. I'm, I'm a nerd. I read tons of books on this, and I debate this online. We're all past the threshold of nerd here. But we need to make this something that people that are not us can, can digest, can get into, can, can even feel cool. So the photos, I'm not making any arguments with that. I'm just showing that this might be a place that you might be interested in coming to. Yep. That's all. And Putting I think that that's the first step before we're trying to introduce ourselves with a full dissertation on philosophy and politics for, with a 1,200-page novel right. or throwing human action in a stack of books <laughs> at people. We need to, at least first before we give them all that information, is this a scene that you might be into that might be cool, that, that might bring some value to your life? Uh, we don't think about that, and we don't care. And engineers don't have to care. They just need to care about the product. So that, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm focusing on. And with the campaign, I was doing the same thing. Those videos, the first video, for example, I released it, I got, a, I got slammed by libertarians saying, where are your policy positions? Which and one was the... Uh, what was it was that? just a bunch of photos flashing, and it was because all of a sudden I'm running for VP, and people were like, what the f***? Running oh, for okay, oh, all right, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> that number. was 513. Got it. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'll, I won't say those things. <laughs> Good to know. Go ahead. So that first video, I got slammed by libertarians for, uh, they're, they're asking, where's the policy positions? You know, and, and I, was, I made it very clear, I'm specifically not making an engineering spec sheet for other nerds. I'm just putting out a, a, a video. It was like a simple ad. Is this something that you'll look into? Is this something that could be kind of cool? And we were just targeting youth. We weren't going after Midwest housewives right. or trying to go after anybody that wants to be comfortable about their politics. We wanted to go after people that are interested in something different than the crap that we're all tired of. And unfortunately, all I wanted with this campaign, all I wanted, if it wasn't McAfee and I, all I wanted was for the first time in history for libertarians to have a cool candidate or a cool option. And he was, man. And, yeah, well, the cool. pictures that showed him were Judds. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, when uh, people looked at the libertarian option this election, they're like, that's lame, screw that. 
right. and we were hoping that people would be at least all our all our function it was wouldn't be, be lame was what is that about that's interesting i'll look into that or at least they'll they'll start engaging you know we were going to cause a lot of controversy and outrage mcafee's prime for that and then i was going to pour gasoline on all those fires and make something really beautiful for the media and mcafee is such a presence that that this would have been a really entertaining thing for the general public and what we wanted to do is is hopefully get generate protests generate outrage and and then people that are not us would be defending us and, and it would be part of the conversation in a bigger way. I feel like we missed that opportunity. We were handed a golden opportunity. Agreed. You, this was the year for libertarians, and it was the year. I mean, yeah. more votes for libertarian candidate than ever. The question is, what but could that you... would have happened e- anyway, uh, right? You know, whoever it, it was, right? Yeah. And you know, pictures that it seemed like every picture I saw of Gary Johnson, he has his tongue sticking out. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a great guy, and you know, he's, he's a nice guy, but yeah. he's boring, he's awkward, yeah. and nobody's excited about him. Mm-hmm. And and McAfee is not a perfect candidate. He would have made plenty of his own gaffes, but at least he's cool. At least he's interesting. At least people would have wondering what that maniac is going to do next. I'm not denying right. that he's a crazy maniac, but right. but that's why that's what it takes. Well, we we like, had a we had a president. <laughs> we had a we had a politics became a reality TV show this last election. Sure mm-hmm. did. And in that reality TV show, we put the most boring, awkward person that nobody's really interested in paying attention. to. He got to. voted off the island. Yeah, you did, did, so to speak. And all I wanted was, was some... We, we need to turn heads. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I have to agree with you. I think you're doing a good job with it. Uh, now, where can people go to see your work? I mean, besides yeah, where, your own... Where your, can't they go to see it? Your, your uh, personal well, Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, the photos are everywhere. They're all over the internet. They're all but They don't over, have your name on them. Well, no, a lot of them do. They have, they have these watermarks. And, okay. Hey, you know what? I don't care. I, I tell no. people, don't even ask me. Just use them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want them to just sit on my hard drive. I want them to be used. I want that. I, I want them to be helpful. I, I don't want to be the only source of photography because I'm one human and I, I turn down like 10 times as many events as I say yes to. I can't be everywhere. And everybody right. wants good photography. I want more photography. So I, need, I want to train more people. And you're starting to see some of that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make this my thing. I'm just trying to help the image. And that's my goal. And anything that serves that goal, I'm happy about. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Where can people go to see it? Uh, actually, I don't even have a photography website. I'm not <laughs> even a professional. I'm an enthusiast. But I have... Um, uh, I'm, a com- I'm a commercial real estate broker. Mm-hmm. My Facebook oh, really? page is the only place that I post photos. And so, Judd Weiss. Uh, Facebook slash Judd Weiss, one word. Yeah. Excellent. I think we've uh, covered this pretty well. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to share with our audience tonight? I mean... We could talk about anything, but I think, <laughs> I think we got that topic. Cool. So yeah. you're going to hit the stage here very shortly at uh, an Arcapulco. Great crowd here. Uh, did you go to the previous ones? Uh, no. This so is, this is your first, first time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ours too. Is my yeah. second. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my first time. I'm loving it. I think it's a great event, and I'm glad that you're here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm following Adam. I hope I <laughs> keep great. up with that act, but... He's running for not president. I definitely wasn't had any delusions right. to the You're White running House. For not yeah, vice president no, we were. We were just. I was just doing this for a platform. Yep. Judd, thanks for coming on. Thank for you so much for your work. So much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. This is Free Talk Live. We're at Anarchapulco 2017, third annual edition of this excellent event. Uh, what a pleasure to be here, and on the third day, there's still a whole nother day of this event. It's all going to be crypto-related speeches on uh, day number four, but they've still got uh, all kinds of uh, voluntarists and anarchists uh, taking the stage, 
And Larkin Rose is joining us here, longtime uh, guest of the show. Uh, we haven't seen you, I don't think, in a couple of years since you've been up in uh, New Hampshire most recently. Uh, it's nice to see you again. How are you? I'm doing good. Excellent. And you just got off the stage with a speech. What was it titled? Why I'm an anarchist? Uh, no, Sacred Cow Shish Kebab. <laughs> yes, and uh, you said a few words up there that we can't Please don't use those words. <laughs> on the air. <laughs> that specific word. <laughs> but uh, the crowd loved it, and you were basically saying, F what? F this, that, and that. What were the things that... Well, let's see. There's the troops. There's the flag. There's the country. There's democracy. There's the republic. There's the constitution uh, and uh, law-abiding taxpayers. I believe that's all the things that I, <laughs> I bashed. All, yeah. the, all the sacred cows I went after. You today. did it with. Um, you had little slides, and they were up there. And I think that you know when you list them off here, and our nationally syndicated radio audience hears all of those things that have been, uh, you know, have bashed in the process. They're like, but. All those things are good. Law-abiding citizens are good. The troops, my God, who could be better? The flag, the thing that they fight for. All of these things that you talked about, uh, I, I mean, how, how do we communicate to people that uh, these things are not necessarily uh, good? Right, and that's, that was the whole part, point of my talk, is that these things that people are trained to believe in, and I do mean trained, as in brainwashed, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance since before children even know what the heck they're saying. Do you saying. mean when they put kindergartners in school and they make them put their hands over their heart and recite a uh, some prose to a piece of fabric, that that's some kind of uh, brainwashing uh, or yeah. indoctrination? <laughs> Swearing loyalty to a political ruling class. Yeah, that's indoctrination. And people are trained to... But it's not a political ruling class. The flag represents the people, doesn't it? I mean, no. it's got people all over it. <laughs> no, no, it has stars, which have always represented the state every single time, right? Like stars are government. Well, plus the pledge was written by a socialist. Right. And there's that little detail. Francis Bellamy, yeah. <laughs> you know, the fact that it was written by a socialist to me is inconsequential. That, that, that's, that's not logical. To me, what it says is it doesn't say I pledge allegiance to freedom and the people of the United States and, and what amber waves of grain and purples, mountains, majesty, all of these things I love. Right. All of these things right. are great. Yep. It says to the republic for which it stands. Mm -hmm. And a republic is a form of government. So what you're talking about, is, it's called a pledge of allegiance. Allegiance comes from the term liege, meaning king. Yep. You're, you're swearing fidelity to the government of the United States. And the best I can tell, the government of the United States is either incompetent which everybody says, That's right? way too nice. Yeah, that's really, really nice. That's me being that's, nice. That's as nice as I started there. And I, I'm still willing to give a certain amount of uh, deference to people who, who say it's incompetent. I'm, I'm fine. Maybe it's extraordinarily competent, which is even fright, more that's frightening. That's way worse, right. Like, what if the United States government and all governments on the planet are doing exactly what they want to do, which is waste your time on some treadmill, spend all your money, move your, your wealth to, the, to a class of parasites... What if that's what their job is? And have wars. Don't forget having wars. That's always Well, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but uh, the troops are a bunch of brave individuals who have sadly been tricked to give up the very best things they have on this planet for the short period of time right. we're here. And, and give them to evil old thieves. Yep, yep. Although, 
I would complain about one thing. They're physically brave and intellectual total cowards because they blindly follow orders. They don't use their own conscience, and they take pride in it. I do it. I'm following orders. I do as I'm told. That doesn't make you a good human being. I think that's the Myrmidons. I'll I'll niggle with you on that. Um, So I think that's the Myrmidons. You're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. Were your eyes open? At that time, you had just gotten out of these government indoctrination centers where you had spent all that time. I once uh, – I did certainly the, wasn't that open. I did the entry exam for the National Guard. In yeah. Brazilian I took the uh, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, and I was ready to go in too. Yeah, and I was stupid and an intellectual coward and wasn't questioning what I was taught. I just think we were young. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the old people that push them into it. Right. Those are the ones that I truly blame. Yeah. I mean, you know, any young person's going to do the things that they're told are good, right. Well, not every, any young person. Good young people will do the things that they're told are good, right, just, honest, and forthright, right? They're going to right. do all these things because old people who have had plenty of time to examine these things, who have had right. these ideas put in front of them, either their parents, the, the politicians that rule them, their teachers, all these people have had an opportunity to think about this and right. come to a conclusion. And didn't. Yeah, and I also point out regularly that the, the victimizers um, of authoritarianism, the cops and the troops and, and you know all the bureaucrats and everybody harassing, stealing people's money and bossing them around – the victimizers of authoritarianisms are also victims of authoritarianism. Of course. And, you know, the troops who go on the other side of the world and think they're doing something good and get blown up, you know, you died for your stupid they're beliefs. They're the, gr- the largest of victims. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know how to, um, A, on one side, say that this is inappropriate behavior, young men mm-hmm. and women. And B, well, you just have to say it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable to do. over and over. Right. And, I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's evil. gotten us kicked off of radio stations. Right. I mean, there, there are consequences <laughs> right. to being in the position where we are. But I, I liked what you were saying on stage, that it is important to let these people who are the, the violent arms of the state. You were talking about soldiers, but I think it also applies to the police. And I right. think you'd agree. Yep. You know, hey officer so-and-so, I don't think it's okay what you're doing to that girl. And if we do it this in Keene, you know, if we're out on the streets doing cop block, for instance, right. and they're harassing some uh, teenage girl from the college for an open container of alcohol, I'm going to let them know that that's not very nice what you're doing to that young lady. Look, yeah. she's crying. That's yeah. not cool. Stop right. that. Yeah, and if, if nobody ever points this stuff out, they have no reason to question it. If their victims act, you know, if their victims are in Stockholm Syndrome mode and act as if they right. accept it, which most victims do, they, they talk as if, well, I broke the law, so it's okay for you to cage me for having the wrong plant or not having the right sticker on my car or something. If their victims, if their victims reinforce the thug's, you know, uh, notion that what he's doing is okay because it's called legal. Why would he ever think about it? He needs somebody pointing out, you're the freaking bad guy. Right. And that, you know, that's the same of the, the, the Nazis in Germany. Should people have said, well, we've got to be loyal and support the troops? Or should they have said, you're doing evil, psychotic things? Stop it. Yeah. If they got more pushback from, from people, then it would change how they feel. And we've seen uh, some of that in that there is, to some extent, I and mean, it's not a majority, but right. there are, there's, to some extent, some pushback against the police in the United States today. And it's actually getting harder for the police departments to hire people. Yep. So they're yep. getting, it's getting more difficult to find people who want to work. And I know that's true in, in New Hampshire, where we are. I talked to one of the police chiefs of a small town, and he told me that they're having a difficult time finding new recruits. And, Good. I want it to be more difficult. And, and, I, and he acknowledged that, that, to some extent, it's because of things like the war on drugs, where 
you've got police arresting the very people that many of them went to school with. Like in, in New Hampshire, it's a small place. Everybody knows everybody else. Right. I mean, who wants to go and take a job where you're going to have, you know, one of the things you're tasked to do is arrest your old best friend. I mean, that's right, just... Right, for having a plant. Right. Like, not for committing mass murder or something, for something totally victimless. It's a nation of laws, Larkin. And if we don't have laws, we descend into chaos. <laughs> Well, that's obviously part of the mythology that people are taught and what, you know, the whole respect for law and authority and and all these things. If it was a nation of laws, the politicians would have to follow them. Right. Police officers would give other police officers tickets for rolling through a stop sign (laughs) if this was a nation of laws. So the whole very vapid notion that this is a nation of laws is ridiculous. What they're claiming is, is that the hoi polloi, that the citizenry like you and me. Right. The, the people that don't have badges, that aren't politicians, aren't called honorable, those people must be kept in check by a class of people that needn't be kept in check. Right. Yeah. And the, that's a ridiculous notion. It is. That's a nation of laws. It is. And, and another term that goes along with that is equality under the law. There has never been that. They're, no. al- they're allowed to boss us around. If we boss them around, they shoot us. Like that's there's n- if there's a government, there's not equality. Right. I mean, we have nine, some are more equal than others. We have 9000 years since the agrarian revolution of the state to look at and we can see that there has never been equality under the law there's always been a ruling class there's always been an enforcer class and there's always been the rest of us and when the rest of us support the rulers and the enforcers that it just it just uh, backs all this up Right, right. It's like, you know, a slave plantation where the slave master is saying, we're all equal. Well, except me, of course. But you you slaves are all equal with each other, but I'm allowed to do whatever I want to you. And people mistake that for freedom. And it, it's, it, you know, the whole list of things I went through. It's the, better the than the other damn plantation. Why don't you love your plantation? Right. <laughs> we, right. have, we have red, white, and blue flag at our plantation. Yeah, our flag is prettier than the plantation's flag, you know, to the north. And that's that sort of, you know, being taught to mistake nationalism and loyalty to a ruling class and all the things I was just bashing, to mistake that for freedom is just sad. And that's what I bash, so people question the stuff, because people want freedom and justice, and they're trained to think that these... Who doesn't want that? Right, they're trained to think (laughs) these authoritarian things are that, and they're the exact opposite. Hold that thought, Larkin. Uh, I presume you can stick with us for a few more segments. We're going to continue with Larkin Rose here at Anarchapulco 2017. This is Free Talk Live, brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's in Acapulco 2017 at the Mundo Imperial Resort and Expo in Acapulco, Mexico. It's just an incredible venue. Uh, plenty of space, by the way. So if they have this thing again next year... 
there's plenty of room for twice as many people to show up. And there are hundreds of people here, uh, most of whom got up bright and early uh, for your speech at uh, 10 o'clock, which actually i got to give the organizers credit. They were smart to not start the speeches at like 9 a.m. because most people are out partying right. uh, the night before. And so 10 seems like kind of a safe zone where most people can go to sleep at 3 or something like that and still manage to get up for the first 10 o'clock speech. And this room was packed. You had a standing uh, ovation at the end. Larkin Rose is with us here. It's Ian and Mark uh, in our remote studio. And we were talking, just kind of recapping, we like to give our listeners a, a taste of what the speech was like. But the good news is uh, there's a bunch of video equipment in there. So presumably at some point, I don't know when, uh, that, but video of your speech in full will be available. Right, right. Yeah, that's the plan that we... I don't know when either, right. but yeah. <laughs> at some point. When, it, when it's done. Uh, so we were talking about you know the ideas uh, of the state as some sort of great protector uh, versus what it really is, which is, of course, that which is violating all kinds of rights, destroying lives all around the globe, and you know having to shake people out of their slumber somehow to get them to realize these things. It's right. no and, easy task. Right, and, and having them see the distinction between what they really want and what they really believe in and the mythology they were taught that twists that. So I, I went through to, you know, I bashed the Constitution, which most people say, oh, how could you? That's about sacred freedom. cow. Right. Totally sacred cow. Shish kebab time. Um, <laughs> and I pointed well, I, out what I thought was so funny about that. And, and you point out correctly is that people don't understand is the vast majority of the people that advocated for the United States to be free dislike the Constitution. Right. The, the people who – it wasn't the United States yet, but the people who right. wanted the American Revolution, the, you know, the main people who made that happen, like Thomas Paine and Patrick Henry, didn't like the new constitution. They knew it was going to be a disaster. Yeah, Jefferson. He was in France at the time, but he didn't like it either. He didn't like it, no. Um, and because they knew it was a step in the wrong direction. I was never taught that growing up. And to me, that would be confusing and blasphemous to hear somebody say, yeah, the constitution was a horrendously bad idea. It's pro-authoritarian. But if you go back and look at the debates, both the Federalists and Anti-Federalists said, yeah, we agree that the purpose of the Constitution is to make a stronger, bigger, centralized authority. It was. And then they bickered about whether that was a good idea or not. And now, you know, again, it's so sad. And I, I, I don't at all mind defending people if they actually think about stuff. It's sad that people can be tricked into cheering the exact opposite of what they actually think it is because they think the Constitution equals freedom. And if you look at what our, our, our constitutional republic does now, I also bashed constitutional republics, it's way worse than things were under a king. And, and I'm not advocating a king, what but do you mean? to be worse than that. When you say it's worse than what was happening under King George, people think of King George as a tyrant. Right. And he was certainly painted by a, as a tyrant by right. um, you know, American revolutionaries, people that were willing to pick up the arms of their day and shoot in the face their government. Right. And their right. law enforcers, shoot the cops, because what, of... And like, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying how thoroughly they believed it. Right, right. And over, you know, 4% taxation on, like, pieces of paper tea. and tea. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, really? Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of the taxes we're talking about. Now you're talking about 30 or 40% of your income. Of your income, everything you make. Plus and the regulations and all yeah. those other things. And the, all the intrusive things that King George never dreamed of. But people are so – there's so much pack, pack mentality involved. They're like, well, this is my country, so I'm going to you know, make excuses for it. And you know, the whole love it or leave it thing, which I also made fun of. It's basically you know, you're, you're so attached to this, this group and this, this piece of dirt that when people point out things horribly wrong with it, you'd rather bash them than say, oh, yeah, that is horribly wrong. We should probably fix that. The love it or leave it thing seems like a jump in logic to me. 
Um, yeah. and, and people jump in logic all the time. That's nothing particularly unusual. Um, the simple fact that I think that the United States government has done some terrible things like I believe many, many governments have done, right. does not mean that I want to live some, uh, pl- like I want to live in North Korea or Somalia, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, the, Somalia doesn't have anarchy. Every time they try to set up a government, um, which they've done again, by the way, um, you know, some larger organization, the UN, the US, the UK comes in and kicks it out from underneath them. Right. Look, I'm sorry that they keep on kicking this uh, poor, tiny little country in the head, um, but uh, what does that have to do with me? Right. Why do I have to go there again? I mean, like these these are sort of uh, vapid uh, jumps in logic that really don't particularly make any right. sense. But, but, but they're emotional things that come from, from indoctrination. Like people are trained to feel loyalty to the nation and the flag and these vague things. They don't even think about what they mean. Right. And then when you say something's horribly wrong here, that, that's, that feels like an affront to them because like you're, you're condemning the thing I feel loyalty to. Hmm. And the thing is... If what they really want is, is, is freedom and justice and the things that they imagine the U.S. is about or America is all about, they would be looking at the government going, that's the threat. The U.S. government is the threat to all the things we actually care about, freedom and justice and yada, yada, yada. And the flag is what the U.S. – it symbolizes the U.S. government. So why are, we, why are we saluting this flag and calling it freedom when it's all the way the exact opposite? I mean it's totally Orwellian. You know, Slavery is freedom. And – if the and flag I, is freedom, the people that claim it need to prove that case. Right, right. And they need to object, as I pointed out in my talk, they need to object to the fact that the symbol of freedom adorns the, the offices and the uniforms of extortionists and bureaucrats and thugs in the U.S. and all over the world. Like, well, I always like what, uh, what Harry Brown said about it, you know, that the flag was essentially like a gang symbol. I mean, yeah. the, the, the U.S. government is a gang that flies a flag in front of its offices. That's what separates them from the mafia, where they don't easily identify where their offices are. <laughs> right. Well, they're the, the dominant gang, so they can identify. Right. Where they, you know? right, right. And they're the gang who managed to dupe their victims into imagining it to be legitimate and okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason, you, that's the only way you ever get a gang that big and that successful, is if you can dupe your victims into thinking, well, they're our protectors, and we feel sure. loyalty to them, and we're proud to obey their laws, and yada, yada. It's all indoctrination, and that's what has to change, because tyranny, the problem is never the few psychos at the top. The problem is always all the people who are empowering them and funding them and going along with what they say and picking sure. up guns for them because they believe in authority and have this misguided notion that like the troops are fighting for freedom by blowing up little children on the other side of the world and the cops are defending us by throwing people in cages for having the wrong plan. It's a crazy situation and if there were enough people to either ignore them or laugh at them and just try to marginalize these oppressors, they wouldn't be able to get away with half the stuff they get away with because it does require at some level the consent of the governed. Because if people just keep paying taxes if people just keep going along to get along and, you know, obeying all the regulations. So I say the, the reason why businesses uh, have so much regulation to deal with is because no business ever pushed back and said no. They just right. all just kept accepting, okay, yeah, we'll follow that rule. We'll jump through that hoop. Right. And now you've got a thousand hoops to jump through and you're complaining now. But, you know, what if somebody had said no 50 years ago when the first right. regulation was put into place? It's not too late to change that. But I think one of the most important things, and this is what I talked about a couple of days ago, is we need to concentrate people. We've got to get people who think like we do 
in the same geographic area so we can have a greater influence on the population around us. I mean, you've got great ideas, but the fact is if you're standing on the street corner saying those things, you're just going to get laughed at and ignored, and maybe somebody's going to start a fight with you. I mean, that's the danger of these ideas. They are dangerous uh, ideas. This, right, because this, they're literally blasphemous because, right. you know, government is a religion. It's a cult that people are trained into, and when you commit blasphemy against their cult, they get upset and they get angry and they threaten violence. But if they're hearing these ideas in different areas, not just from the guy on the side of the street corner like I used to be with honk if you hate taxes sign, but also from somebody at the the water cooler at work, somebody, you know, when they're at their church, somebody when they're at their knitting club or whatever it is that that people are doing, they're hearing it on the the radio, they're hearing it on on the television, then it becomes more of uh, something they can consider. They can seriously consider that idea so that when later, you know, so inevitably, when we finally get to more freedom, they'll always say they'll say something like, "Oh yeah, I was always with those guys." Right, right, exactly. And there was a study that that shows that like if somebody hears something that's unfamiliar and doesn't match what they what they already believe, they hear it from one person, they'll naturally go, "No, that can't be right." Yeah, that's, I crazy. Heard it from, that's dumb. And they hear it from the second person. And suddenly, I think it's over 50%, they go, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Like, mm. cause, just because that's the weird way our brain works. Well, in, in well, sales, you have to hear something, what, 21 times or something I, like that I don't before? know what, uh, yeah, I don't know what study you're citing here. But I will um, say that um, to, to show how laughable this is, I have set myself up as King Mark I, intergalactic <laughs> ruler of all the things, right? And you can go and like my Facebook page, and then you become one of my subjects. You have a King Facebook page? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, there's two of them, actually. <laughs> Somebody else put a competing one. And, uh, you know, when people... Uh, salute me as their king. Sometimes I wear my crown. So they say, hey, old king. I'll say, loyal subject. You know, and I acknowledge them as my loyal subject. You this can talk more about that, joke. your majesty, in a, in a moment here. <laughs> this is Free Talk Live. We're here from an archipelago. of this event, my first time in Mexico. Uh, how about you, Larkin Rose? Were you here last year or the year before? Yep, this is my second time that I was coerced into coming down here. Well, it's and been it too fun the first it's been time. Great. So I, came I mean, back. this has been a great crowd, uh, yeah. good people, and uh, your speech went over very well this morning. We're talking about authoritarianism. We're discussing it's Ian and Mark here in our remote studio at the Mundo Imperial Resort and Expo. Mark, you were just explaining your whole King Mark thing yeah. to uh, Larkin. He looks very silly, by the way, with a crown and like. I've seen ro- that. You get like a robe too. I've got a, yeah, I do have yeah. uh, one of those uh, royal robe things. Uh, they're very nice. Uh, but I mean, you know, when people see me dressed up like a king and uh, and act doing sort of kingly things, and they like my Facebook page, it's because they're amused. Right? They're amused at the very notion that somebody just could claim to be intergalactic ruler <laughs> of all the things. But. What does the United States government, or any other government, truly, um, I mean, you know, if you just look at this notion, what are they doing that is different than what I'm doing? They have bigger buildings. <laughs> they, have sign, they have sign-on. They have people who are, you know, agree with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. Right, right. You know, um, you know what makes Kim Jong-un less uh, of an uh, intergalactic ruler than uh, today's Donald Trump? Right. Um, and it's, it's just people believe them and they didn't believe you. And that's the only difference. I mean, that's I what it is. That. It's all belief. Yeah. In my, my video, I'm allowed to rob you. I point out the same thing about the Constitution is you think they have the right to tax you because somebody wrote on a piece of parchment, Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes. When I do it, they don't believe me, oddly enough. But it's just a matter of belief and indoctrination. And when you outgrow it, when you step back and go, why do I believe in the divine right of politicians? Like what all this, all the mythology about constitutions and elections and the House and the Senate and the president, all this stuff, 
Like, how does all of that put together equal somebody has the right to rule me? Like, there's while, a, while pretending we're all, we're all equal except those guys have the right to rule you. There's a disconnect somewhere with people, and uh, we've managed to sort of use it as a wedge when we talk to folks on the air where, you know, they still have this idea that the government can be good, that if they just right. elect the right people. But you, you can get them to acknowledge that they they believe that politicians are bad. People tend to believe right. at some level that politicians are liars and scumbags and dishonest and, you know, violent. But yet there, there's something, there's, like, there's some sort of disconnect between their understanding about politicians being that thing. Right. But a larger belief that they have in the whole system, that the system is good, the Constitution is good, and so therefore there's just some sort of problem with these individuals. And, and, and we, you know, we've managed to, to get them to sort of have that cognitive dissonance moment on the air where Mark will ask you know, something about, well, don't you think that politicians are all scum? And like, you know, they'll say, yeah. And or at least right. the vast majority of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we're in a democracy, then if a majority of politicians are liars and thieves, then you are ruled by liars right. and thieves. You're ruled right. by liars and thieves. There could be one or like, two good ones. What yeah. makes you think that's going to change, right. people? And, and I can tell you the exact difference, which is, or, or the reason for that, which is government is a religious belief. It is a belief in a superhuman deity. Sure and, is. And I, and I point that out and people go, what are you talking about? It's like, when you talk about the law, you're talking about, and, and crime, it's like, like sin. It's sin to disobey that. And you don't say that about people, like the thug who says, give me your car. You don't say, well, that's a law, and to not hand over your car is a crime. But people actually believe, and you can see it in their terminology, like they say, well, I, I don't trust people. We need government. And I say, what do you think government's made up of? Aardvarks? <laughs> like, it's people, and it's people that you know are crooks. Yep. So if you just look at it literally, they're saying, I don't trust people, so we need a bunch of dishonest right. crooks to violently dominate all of us. No, nobody would actually say that, but they, they believe in government because they actually imagine it in this vague, clouded belief system they have in their head. They actually imagine it to be some superhuman thing that keeps us in check. And it's, it's the law, and the terminology shows that they're not just talking about people. It's, it's the law, it's authority, it's our representatives, it's government. And it's it's this. It really is just You've this mushy thing. You talked about that in your book, uh, the most dangerous superstition, which yeah. I, I read while I was in jail for a civil disobedience. Great book. Good place to uh, read it. <laughs> I forget who sent it to me, but uh, but it's still there. By the way, it's, cool. It Don't shows up it. on the book book cart. So Excellent. when they bring it around to the different right. uh, cell blocks, and you know the idea that uh, people believe in this idea of authority, and it's so dangerous that people believe in it, right? Um, because it does justify the power that these people are exercising, even though they're just people, just, right. like, the, just like the rest of us. But the, the whole idea of the state is that sort of religious belief system that you're talking about. The state doesn't exist. Yeah, there's land, but that's not what they mean when they say the state. Right. When they talk about the state, they are talking about some sort of nebulous idea, this concept that all of these people have joined into. The ones that work for the state definitely believe firmly in the state. I mean, when, when you go into court, for instance, it, you're in church. They yeah, have, they have pews. There literally are pews in this court. In this There's a guy in a robe. The guy wears a, a robe. robe. Mm. He stands up higher than everybody else. He, he has acolytes. At certain times. 
right? Yeah, right. You have and, these and rituals. He refers to himself as the court. Yeah. Like, instead of, I person. think this, right, yeah, I'm right. the court. What are you talking about? Hey, you the He's, prosecutor does the same thing. They're the state of New Hampshire. They're the right. state of fill-in-the-blank. They're not the prosecutor so-and-so. Right. I'm not just some guy trying to put you in a cage. But yet you, the and, state. But you can't call the state on the stand. You can actually, you cannot question the witness that is against you, the the accusing party, it's right. impossible. If it you, doesn't exist. If right. you ask who has been uh, who has been harmed, the victim, they'll say the state of New Hampshire or the people of the state of New Hampshire right. or har- whatever state. You harmed a mythical they'll, day. They'll, they'll actually somehow. say, Excellent. can we pull, call them to the stand then? The peace and dignity of the state has been harmed. <laughs> right. That's what they say. Fine, then call the state to the stand. Let's have a chit-chat with them and, and find out how, how it, awful this was. It would be fun to finally see the thing. These We've people heard so much <laughs> about it. They refer to themselves in the third person as some different thing that doesn't have corpiability, right? right, it doesn't, right. The state doesn't exist. The court doesn't exist. Well, there's certainly a bench and all these th- things. Right. But you know, if I start talking to the bench, um, the, you know, then, then everybody's going to think I'm nuts. Well, they <laughs> right. actually used to hold court in Keene, New Hampshire until about four years, four or five years ago when they built a brand new court facility, a uh, $10 million Very court nice facility. Mahogany. The, the, mm-hmm. Until then, they didn't have pews. Uh, they actually set up the courtroom. District court was in the city council chambers. So the room where normally the council would meet, they'd like move the desks around, uh-huh. uh, and Judge Burke would, would come into this room where people are just sitting in the regular chairs that they'd be sitting in for the council meetings. So now I'm sure he's feeling much better because he's more protected, and you know he's got his own courtroom, and he can go off into his can own pretend little to be chambers a deity and whatever. things like that. But, but it just showed you know that they were. It's all about the idea of the state, not yeah. necessarily the trappings. They want those trappings because it gives them the the feeling of legitimacy right. to their victims. Right, and their enforcers do the same thing. You know, cops will say, hey, you know, I don't make the laws. I just enforce it. This is the law doing it. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? The law. There's so, so there's vague thing floating around that possessed this guy in the uniform. So he has no choice. It's a paycheck. He, he has no free will. <laughs> he, and they talk as if they have no free will. Like, I don't have a choice. Like, it's the law. And now I'm going to kidnap you. Like, what's this thing called the law that has you possessed such that you're, you know, forcibly kidnapping people for the Dumbest like things imaginable. I, I, I have to say, I like uh, Mark Stevens's definition best: an opinion backed by a gun. That's yeah. the best, shortest definition exactly. for law. Although that, that's the literal description of it, but nobody seizes that because yeah. they're taught to believe this just this cult notion of authority. But they're told so they it's think an it's opinion. Some, yeah. I mean, the, the lawyers will say, this is an opinion. <laughs> they, they, they will refer to... Um, Which they change. The right. Supreme Court will overturn its own opinion. Right. The, right. the Supreme Court issues an opinion on whether or not black people can drink from the same fountain as white people. Right. right? And then it changes that opinion right. on it. But in both cases, somebody will enforce those opinions right with a gun right and this if you and the, the, the thing about this is is you can never convince anybody who gets a paycheck to do something uh-huh. that doing that thing is bad wrong uh, you know it's very very rare right Sometimes that would resort can... to no more paycheck hold on we're going to continue here you got time right larkin yeah all right more with larkin rose here from anarchapulco dvd books music instruments periodicals computers software electronics photo cell phone office products home and garden bed and bath furniture kitchen pet supplies automotive hardware apparel shoes jewelry grocery healthcare, sports and outdoors toys games used and more it's a department store at your fingertips shop.freetalklive.com get all your shopping done get a great deal and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit free talk live when you enter amazon via shop.freetalklive.com It's Free Talk Live. We're here at Anarchapulco 2017 on day number... 
Just uh, an amazing event with wonderful people, um, meeting some new uh, new fa- faces and, and friends and seeing old friends as well. Great to see Lark and Rose here. Uh, and uh, it's Ian and Mark in the remote studio brought to you by Bitcoin.com. We're, we're striking at the root here, talking about the, the evil idea that is the state. And it's something that we need to get away from, something that uh, we have to convince our friends and our neighbors and total strangers to reject this idea. And it, once we can do that, well, then we'll have some more semblance of, of freedom in, in our lifetime. In the meanwhile, however, there are other things that we can do to try to change things. And there was something that you two, uh, Mark and Larkin, you, you disagreed on in the room. You'd asked a question, yep. Mark, and you didn't get to follow up. And that's okay, because that's not it's, the right venue for it's that. It's not appropriate. Uh, right. we, we knew we were going to be dra- <laughs> uh, dragging you in here. And the, the question was about voting. You want to go ahead and reca- recap Sure. That? Basically, um, Larkin gave a 40-minute speech, about three minutes of this fantastic speech. He alluded, didn't exactly state, but alluded to the idea that uh, voting either gives legitimacy to the state or it is... Uh, bad and wrong to do or just a variety of of things. So I asked him to clarify when you ask questions in an audience, the best thing to do is to ask the question and then give up the microphone because it's not it's not a debate forum. Yeah, right, um, right. And I don't want to debate. I don't really believe that it uh, it brings anything to the table. I like discussions because I know that there have been times in my life when I'm incorrect on a statement on you know some statement, mm-hmm. and then I listen to somebody and at some point or another I come to a conclusion that is different than the one that I had. And um, for me, coming to the ideas of liberty was a long process. Yeah. Years Me too. that I argued and argued and argued and at some point or another ran out of excuses. Yep. And that's where I was at. Now, um, one, one of the ideas that's purported um, you know, in this movement is that somehow voting is a solution, or not voting, is a solution to something. And I would contend that voting is mathematically insignificant, um, although I have been in a situation where I my vote two times where my vote has made a difference in one case i didn 't cast it in another because uh, i wasn 't there in one case, I did cast it, and it stopped some spending for a year <laughs> you know mm. not exactly you know i mean it 's not not exactly huge, but um, didn 't free the world no <laughs> it didn 't but it it freed some people for a short period of time who probably didn 't even want to be free right right. right. <laughs> Um, but it did free me and my family for one year because uh, this was on the town level. So I can see that it does have consequences. Um, mm-hmm. I can see that uh, you know I can vote for liberty. You were t- in this case, you you did advocate for voting for a referendum kind of things, um, right? Yeah, I don't mind when somebody just votes against a particular act of government violence. I don't that it, it, you could sort of say that legitimizes it, but that's nowhere near the you know what I complained about when people actually try to appoint. A political master, one that they will hope will be a nicer political master, but they're still legitimizing the game. They're still saying we accept that whoever wins this game has the right to rule us. When did why they would say you that? Like, if that is said, if if I say that because I voted. Right. Um, I voted for Gary Johnson this last go around. At no point during this process was there a like, fine print at the bottom of the ballot that says, you accept the winner and will give obeisance to whatever. Um, but like, it's, that by, wasn't there. By playing the game, it implies, it's sort of like, to I'm, I'm going to play this game and if I win, yay, we win. If I lose, I'll say the game is illegitimate. It just, it, it looks to everybody to be hugely hypocritical. Like, 
Gary Johnson had no chance of winning, but to play the game tells everybody you believe in democracy. Because why would you do it if you didn't believe it? I don't find that people say that. Um, I find, you know, what I find is is that I'm stating a preference for which um, one of these people who, I, like, I, I knew it was going to happen. We had a president, a 45th one. Like, right. I just knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and it was one that I didn't, for whom I did not vote. And right. I do not consider him to be my legitimate president. I would not consider her my legitimate president. And frankly, once Gary Johnson got in office, if, the, you know, some, like, really weird occurrences <laughs> happened, he got in office... I would have, you know, said everything bad about everything that bad that he did. I just said the good things about the good things he did. And, right. you know, like, that's my job right. as a commentator. Um, so- yeah, my, my biggest objection is just, like, the, the solution to me is people giving up authoritarianism, giving up the notion that they have the right to, to rule us, not instead of petitioning them and instead of asking the master, will you please give us your legislative permission to be a little bit freer, Understanding, We don't need their permission. We should be ignoring them or resisting them or something, but stop pretending that they are our masters. And so my main objection with voting is that it not only does it not do that, it, it reinforces the whole notion in people's minds. Because all the rituals, all the religious rituals of, of voting and petitions and, and then the legislative rituals that the politicians do, it's all a show to make people think it's legitimate. I don't want to play in a show that makes people think it's legitimate, and voting is playing in that show. Oh, I well, it's, it's a conclusion that you've jumped through, jumped through. That would you agree that I um, do not support their authoritarianism? I mean, you know, the conversation we've now had for clo- close to an hour that I am not an authoritarian, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not authoritarian, and I voted. So either um, I am, uh, you know, I guess I must be either correct or doing something that is uh, incongruous. One of those two things yeah. occurs. And I think it's a conflict. You think it's conflict. Yeah. I uh, would say, however, that, um, you know, I think that voting is a small, tiny, inconsequential act of saying no thank you to that particular uh, person or that particular person. Generally, when I vote, especially for the higher offices, I'm voting for somebody who doesn't get in, you know? Um, right. So my vote is inconsequential, right. and it is a protest vote. If I wrote in Donald Duck, would I be as, I mean, you know, what do you think I would about res- that? I would respect you more. Right, so, so <laughs> writing in Donald, Donald Duck, Duck is, um, you know, like, I'm still going through the process. It's a blind ballot. Um, no one knows what I've done in that room. I, right. well, well, here's a question for you. First yeah. of all, I assume you knew that Johnson wasn't going to win, right? I, I suspected strongly that he so- was <laughs> So what, what message do you think it gives for you to go in and play the game and say, I want that guy on the throne when you knew he wasn't going to? I want a third better choice that is less distasteful than the rest, that would be less tyrannical than the other choices. I understand that we're all in a prison, and I understand we're picking the guard who will give us lashings. I would prefer the guard that has the weaker arm and delivers fewer lashings right. and gives us cake every third Sunday. <laughs> That's but, what I want. Right. But you played a game you knew you were going to lose. We got the lashes, Larkin. <laughs> you know I mean? So <laughs> let, let's, you let's, lost too, right? Like I lost and you lost. And the whole world lost because our new god king of the whole planet is somebody who wasn't the one that we wanted. But I didn't do anything to pretend the game is legitimate or I, give I the impression that I did. that it's legitimate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know the, the game's not legitimate. I know it. But I also know that it is a game and that it is being played whether we participate or not. And we're not going to have the paradigm shift, unfortunately, anytime soon. I mean, if you just look at the numbers, we, we talked about... Well, I was, I was surprised that we... Uh, I don't know if you, were on, you weren't on this show because you've been off for, for a little bit, Mark. But uh, Daryl brought in a, a story about Americans and whether they 
like I don't know if it was that they love the police, but you know they believe in in the police. They, uh-huh. they you know they do they support uh, the the police. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be you know some good news. We see all this negativity uh, toward the police, criticism of the police, and it ended up being like seventy plus percent, like the high seventy percent right. uh, of Americans are like behind the police. I'm like, oh my god, you know we've got a long way to go. Right. Blue lives matter, right. baby. And, and it's certainly possible that at some point we could hit some sort of uh, point of uh, saturation and have. Right. It, incredible explosion and a renaissance uh, for these ideas, but we're not quite there yet, and it's probably going to be a little while before that happens. Meanwhile, if you look at situations where you have a 0% voter turnout, it has happened in uh-huh. some places, because certain anarchists were like, if just and no one would vote, then the system would go away. Well, guess what? It turns out that as long as people pay taxes, the system continues. Right, and so, I, I don't argue that not voting is the solution. And a okay. lot of people Please say, like, say hey, like, <laughs> like, like the analogy I use is like somebody says, my head's, you know, they're smashing themselves on the toe with a hammer. I say, what are you doing? I say, I have a headache. <laughs> well, why are you hitting yourself on the toe with a hammer? Because I'm trying to cure my headache. To stop it. Well, what are you going to do to cure my headache? Well, I don't know, but that's not going to cure it. So you think stopping hitting my toe is going to cure my headache? No, but it's not <laughs> going to make it any better. So it's the, the voting, the not voting isn't the answer. It's just don't make something even worse on the way to doing what actually works, which is people disobeying. And what has to happen first is for them to not believe in the moral obligation to obey. I want to, I want to keep talking about that here, but uh, we, go, we got one more segment in the show, and I want you to stick Let's with us. Let's just wrap yep, up with it. We'll, yep. we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more cool. about Free Talk Live. We're at Anarchapulco 2017, wrapping out here shortly the uh, third episode from day number three. And there's a whole other day to go here. Probably too late for you to show up at, uh, at this point. But start planning for next year uh, because this thing is an incredible event full of wonderful people uh, like Larkin Rose, who's here with us. And Larkin, uh, just quick, we haven't asked you this yet. What's the best place for people to go online and get more of your stuff? Uh, well, my website is LarkinRose.com, but mm-hmm. um, probably the easier thing is the videos on my YouTube, YouTube channel, channel, which is just YouTube.com I'd like to highly recommend. Rose. I'm sorry, go ahead. YouTube.com slash, slash Larkin Rose. Yeah. And that's L-A-R-K-E-N. Good stuff. These videos um, that you have, uh, like you've got probably two of the top ten greatest uh, liberty videos that anyone can watch. If you can like get your loved ones to watch, um, and I don't know the, the titles of the ones that I've found to be so interesting, but right. there really are some ones you're just sitting there, and this is just such compelling content. Um, these things are, are just so great, and I sincerely hope that some of our audience can take a take a look at uh, some of your videos. Uh-huh. So um, we were talking about voting, and you were going to make a point there, Mark. Yeah, we if I could. Time. So, Larkin, um, the suggestion that you've made is, is that uh, voting adds legitimacy to uh, the system. My vote, right. my single solitary one of, I don't know, 100 million votes um, for president that somehow gives legitimacy to a guy that I did not, for whom I did not vote. Right. Um, and a government uh, that I do not, frankly, you know, I just don't support the idea of any organization claiming monopoly privilege and the use of violence in a given landmass. Um, and in this case, the United States government, it's the whole world. Um, they get to, they say, you know, we can do whatever we want. However, I vote because... You know, I feel like I'm supporting in some small way my uh, libertarian friends who run for office and are attempting to do something. Well, that's well, uh, that's different though because you're talking about in, I'm in telling New why Hampshire. I do it. You're talking about in New Hampshire sure. where you actually have 
real libertarians, actual anarchists, <laughs> actual voluntarists who are running. Most of them run as Democrats and Republicans, and they are actually winning and then getting into uh, these these positions where they, they can have some influence to stop some violence uh, of right. the state. And most libertarians or anarchists or you know, voluntarists, they don't understand this because they live in a place where there aren't any real right, libertarians. No you know, yeah. there's, there's no chance. There's no chance to change anything. And so I completely understand why somebody would be like, well, screw voting. Oh, yeah, it's this not worth it. It's inconsequential. And at the federal that. level, it is completely inconsequential and a waste of time. But in New Hampshire, it's completely different. It where can be consequential. They, they have actually, I mean, while we have this paradigm of belief in the state, which we don't have, but most people do, right. you know, we have to, in order to stop the men with guns from enforcing dumb stuff like prohibitions on plants and things, somebody has to change those darn statutes. And, and, and we're doing it uh, in New Hampshire, as an example. Little by little. Little by little. Uh, as an example, there's now, people in New Hampshire do not have to ask permission to conceal carry a gun. That right. just happened this week in New Hampshire. So, it is possible to change this unwieldy, tyrannical, horrifi- horrifying, bad system if we get the concentration of people together to do it. And in that situation, voting can make a difference. And if you don't vote, the thing is, the bureaucrats are going to show up every time. They vote. And they are going <laughs> right. to vote because <laughs> right. they believe in that system. And as long as it continues to perpetuate, even if people don't show up, as long as they keep obeying and as long as they keep paying taxes, then the system will, will continue, whether or not anyone right. votes. Yeah, and the thing is, you can, in some cases, in some limited cases, like what you're talking about, get a slightly ni- nicer master. That road doesn't lead to freedom. It leads I wouldn't to claim a, that. A, yeah, it leads to a gentler form of slavery. And to me, that's, that's at best a temporary – it's not even a temporary fix. It's a temporary not quite as bad as it was before or even like not quite as bad as it would have been but still worse than it was yesterday. You know, so would you advocate for a more uh, brutal state? No, no. Okay, because well, there like, are some people the who side. do that. Right. The people do do that. I just want to make sure that I'm, uh, we're all I know, clear. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> see, that's to me the, the two questions are like how nice is our slave master and should we be free? And to me, the question of how nice is our slave master, that's not going – like, we had minarchism in this country. It, well, and it led we're not to in this country. We're in Mexico. Less than minarchism. Or more than minarchism. <laughs> right. It led to a gigantic disaster, yep. and it will again every single time. And so I totally understand the – you know, it's like that I want to get owned by a nicer slave master who doesn't whip me as hard. And the thing is, on a practical basis, I totally understand that. And, on, you know, that's on a day-to-day life. It's nice to not get whipped as hard. However, that is no closer to actually being free. And my goal is to have people actually be free. Me too. And participating in the game, to me, actually, like, it, it may make a little bit of progress on the practical side, but I think it's actually backwards on the, the long side where it legitimizes the game. Let me uh, – that's what I want to um, – you know, I kind of sidetracked us here, and I want to address legitimacy. Okay. So um, you know as well as I do that more people didn't vote in this election for president than did vote um, right. for president. Yep. In as, Australia, as normal. That's right. Pretty that's typical. very common. Uh, right. Most – I think only one election um, for Barack Obama did more of the registered voters. Yeah, eligible voters. Not, not, not just talking about people. human Beings. Right, right. We're talking about eligible voters vote for um, him as president. So, um, or vote in the election for him as president. Right. So fewer than twenty five percent generally vote for the president. Right. And does that then compared to say Australia, where it's illegal not to vote? Right. Uh, where their you know whatever their head uh, honcho is, the PM there um, is you know elected through their process with 
apparently, let's call it 90 plus percent, are, is their uh, politician more or less legitimate than ours? Well, it, first of all, I'd point out how funny it is that they force people to vote because what it's does funny. that tell you? They need people to play the game to legitimize the game. And if people just go, Meh, if nobody showed up, they couldn't pretend to represent the people. They couldn't pre- pretend they have the consent of the governed. If you put a referendum out and let Americans choose whether or not there would be a law to make people vote or not, I suspect it would pass. But if not, it would lose with a, at least a large minority. Yeah, probably. Because it's not them. It's us. Right, um, you know, right. We the people want the other people to vote. Right, because people have been trained into statism. But and that doesn't mean legitimacy because, uh, like, I don't think – I can't even name the, the illegitimate uh, prime minister of Australia. And right. I can name the illegitimate uh, president of the United States. I'd also got one more piece of evidence for you that you can okay. examine later in your mind. Okay. Um, George Washington was elected with 2% of the electorate. These are only white males, right. land-owning in the United States, um, you know, in the area known as the United States. 2% of those people got up and voted for what I would say is probably the most legitimate politician the world has ever known, right? Cherry trees and honesty and all that crap. Um, and... I mean, Abe Lincoln got his second, uh, you know, vote in as president by half of a country, you know, that was gone. Right. These are the two most legitimate presidents. And by the way, his number was incredibly low as far as voters, too. I just don't think that this whole it lends le- my vote, my tiny little one in a mil- hundred million thing. Lin- there's any uh, credence to this. It adds legitimacy to their system argument. But who... What is that like when you go and vote for Gary Johnson, knowing he's going to lose? Who are you sending a message to, and what is the message? Because it seems like you're like it's the same reason I I make fun of a lot of protests is we're going to go to the Capitol building and tell them we don't like them stomping on us. They know you they don't you don't <laughs> like them stomping on you. They don't care, and all they, you're they doing don't. <laughs> all you all you're doing is basically telling them that it's up to them that you're going to beg them to stop, and they're not going to stop. What's the old uh, is it Alexander Haig quote from uh, the Let Reagan them protest all they want? So, let them protest so long as they pay their taxes. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And to vote is basically playing the game and sending a message to the masters that I'm going to play your game. I'm going to choose the guy. He's going to lose. You're going to have a master. You're going to stop me and control me. The, I guarantee that is not what the politicians are scared of. The politicians are scared of people not showing up and saying, we don't accept your right to rule. We're not going to play your dumb game. We're not going to legitimize well, they it. Would We're not do going to all beg it, permission. If they would do all of it, if they would not vote and not obey and not pay, then you'd have a movement. Then right. you'd have something. But it was like you were saying, you don't think the state's going to end because people don't vote. That's not going to cut it. Right, right. So we yeah, have right. to have more. So people have to go really, all the way. I'd be happy to trade my vote for a thousand people that now refuse to pay their income tax. Like a thousand yeah, people yeah. right now. Hell yeah. If, in my listening <laughs> right. audience, if a thousand people who did pay income tax last year choose to not pay income tax this year. Um, now, you don't have to. I don't care if you fill out the form, but you just don't pay. Right, right. Um, then fine. I won't vote the next go. Yeah. And to <laughs> me, it's more voting is like a symptom of people still playing the game and thinking those terms. And the thing is, yeah. democracy is designed, and I talked about this in my talk, des- democracy, like all the political rituals, is designed to waste people's energy on something that is not going to get them freedom. Oh, yeah. Instead of, yes. you know, if, if 49% of the people vote for freedom, they get nothing. If 10% of the people just disobey, that's the end of any empire in the world. Oh, I totally agree with you. Which and, is, you know, one and of so, the things... Yeah, and so if the message is out there about you know, destroying the legitimacy of the state in their mind and then disobeying and circumventing it or resisting it or however they want to do it, that is, that, 
just in the numbers, way earlier that does good than voting. Let me tell you this, though. I mean, as somebody who's done civil disobedience on a number of occasions, I, I made a movie about it. it. Uh, it's <laughs> right. called Victimless Crime Spree, right. uh, Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. The uh, the number of principled libertarians, people who agree with us, voluntarists, anarchists, people who completely are on board with us, who are willing to disobey, is probably no more than one percent. Yeah, I mean, so the yeah. fact that we and they'll can't argue even... about how you disobey. Right. The right. fact these, that we can't <laughs> fat, lazy, fat right. is probably not the right term. These lazy people <laughs> will just sit there and complain about how you went out and did something. Larkinrose.com. Right. Go get more of him there. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com.